He didn't create Itchy, I did. Huh? He stole a character from me in 1928. When I complained, his thugs kicked me out of his office and dropped an anvil on me. Luckily, I was carrying an umbrella at the time. Hey, it's Tardy the Parties, Bill Mudder, and Daniel Roos, Bill Puffins, also Derek Pizzini, and Super Sephiroth. We also go chronologically through the Disney Through the Decades section on that's currently missing on the Disney still Plus missing, server. Still missing, yeah. But you can still access it, so I don't know. It's over there somewhere. Also, I think around. we're posting these episodes out of order a little bit from how we're recording, so I don't know. I don't know when this episode's going to go live, so I don't know how long. The Disney Through the Decades collection has been missing from the front end on of Disney+. And Plus, it, but... it might come back because right now there's, like, women movies, it's, like, women-led yeah. movies. And there's no way a company's gonna keep <laughs> women a section dedicated to women up on exactly. there. Exactly. So, April 1st They're gonna up. be like, well, they had a month. Let's take it <laughs> down now. Yeah. And it's not like Disney has that many movies about women anyway. You pretty much got Mary Poppins... Raya the Last Dragon and all of their cartoons about Disney princesses. What am I talking about? Mm -hmm. And it's only like you know, like it's it, it's prime real estate on the Disney Plus uh, search landing page. It's not like it's a digital thing where they could put multiple things on there. They can only have the six uh, collections at the yeah. Come on, Disney. Come on, Disney. So Do we really need this Skywalker Saga collection up there? I think people the know how to There's find some that. Questionable goddamn collection still up. <laughs> the Frozen collection, all two uh, movies. There's like, yeah. I mean, again, I can totally see why the Disney Through the Decades collection is may not be the most popular collection. The High School Musical but, collection. And, and it's funny too, because like, yeah, as you pointed out, it's still the, like if you have the URL for that collection, it still exists. It'll be curious to see. Mm -hmm. I need to check to see if it's still updating after. It's been taken off the front end, though. That'll be the real test to see if it'll ever come back, if it's still being updated. But, but yeah, <clears throat> this is our next step through the Disney Through the Decade. This is actually still a pretty big one. This is still, what, like, only, like, our third uh, major live-action film produced by Disney that we're talking about today? Yes. This is 1954, I believe. Uh, 1954 is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea starring Powdered Toast Man. Powdered Toast Man. Fucking... I forget. I always forget what Kirk Douglas looks like when he shows up, but I'm like, oh, that's Kirk Douglas. That. Oh, that's Kirk Douglas. You know what? I didn't realize for. I don't think maybe. I think it was like less than ten years ago that I found out that Kirk Douglas well, hey, is Michael Douglas's dad. So, and, yeah. Not to sidetrack you, yeah. uh, I'll remember what you were in the middle of saying. But they added the the Falcon and Wilted Soldiers to the 2020s on Disney through the decades. Oh, so there you go. Okay, so it. okay, good. But no, but Kirk Douglas dad. We just got bumped for the women. Dad, man. Yeah, for the they women. They just want another chance to try to trick people into buying that goddamn Mulan remake. That's all they wanted, that women club. That's, that's the only reason want. that's there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kirk Douglas, damn. Uh, and once you realize that, I was like, oh, yeah, that they totally look like, yeah, totally, that makes sense. But, yeah, and Kirk, and, yeah. and Kirk Douglas, one of Hollywood's oldest dudes, only died, like, last week <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, you know, so. pretty much. He probably, you know what probably killed him was him finding out that we were going to do this episode for the show. And he was like, oh, no, I can't. Probably. Those motherfuckers, I can't, I can't abide being on the same planet as those pieces of shit. I won't let them talk about me. So he died. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, I was Did about to ask to why. Like 102? Yeah, you know, he's like 104. 103. He was like Mr. Burns old. Like, not just like, oh. He died in February. Yeah, yeah it's not like he was just like, oh, I'm 70 years old. He was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Grandpa Ant-Man is in this movie. Grandpa Ant-Man. It's also got Peter Lorre, and no movie can mm -hmm. be totally bad. It's got Peter Lorre in it. 
Um, I don't know about that. I don't yeah. feel like testing that hypothesis because I'm sure Peter Lorre's yeah. been in, in more than his share of terrible movies. But generally, though, I mean, Peter Lorre, yeah. Got... Man, Peter Lorre hiked his pants all the way up in this <laughs> There's movie. There's a couple. I, I mean, it's Peter Lorre. Good great. He doesn't have a lot to just say over his costuming or anything like that. Whereas there's a couple. Sh there's a couple things of Peter Lorre where he's just got his pants all the way up to his little Hungarian man teats. <laughs> it's just like, speaking of... His pants are pulled all the way up and Kirk Douglas's pants are on five belt rungs too tight. He's wearing some super spanks or what the fuck? I don't know what's going on. Speaking of another person who looks like they were des designed by John Kirk Belusi, Peter Lorre, yeah. Also, Peter Lorre gets a seal up the butt in this, <laughs> in this movie. Both him and Kirk Douglas. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice the Kirk Douglas part, but... Yeah, so yeah. this is Disney's adaptation of Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, there's almost hey, no you... information about, like, why this movie came about specifically, other than I remember as a kid reading that Disney was... Walt Disney himself was actually convinced to produce this movie because I think Roy pointed out that, like, well, if you make this movie... You could, like, just use all the sets and props and put them in the Disney park, because when this came out, this was smack dab in the middle of Disney, putting Disneyland together. And so, yeah. When did people stop being obsessed with Jules Verne? Because it feels like during this era, people are like, holy crap, Jules Verne! I was about to ask, was anyone ever actually obsessed with Jules Verne? It always seems like such old shit Or maybe it was just that, Disney. Like, I, it seems like the moment someone, who, whenever they invented the electric light bulb was the moment that, like, everyone stopped caring about Jules Verne, where, like, science became mo so much more interesting than, than the, than the science fiction he was writing about. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, Jules Verne, I always, I always mean to go back and read Jules Verne. Did Jules Verne, did he, did But then he, you realize how old it is, and it, it's gotta be boring. Yeah, because it's of this time. It's mid nineteenth century. It's not even late, like not even like really late, 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 late Victorian. It's like this shit's going on during the Civil War, old, which could be interesting of itself. But yeah, uh, the only interesting thing I saw just even about the genesis of the original book, I guess in the original book, um, Nemo was supposed to be a Polish dude. And he, in this movie, well, in the movie, I guess, this, it sounds like this is supposed to be a pretty faithful, faithful adaptation of the original book. Down to, um, the revelation towards the end of the story about Captain Nemo was all like, I used to be a slave to this evil empire that I'm not gonna bother to name, and they took over my country, and I used to be one of those people hauling that gunpowder around. And I guess within the original book, it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be a Polish guy whose country got taken over by the Russians in the mid-19th century. I guess for some reason, his editor was like, no, you can't get that political. You have to, like, take all those nationalities out. And I guess he wrote a sequel called The Mysterious Island where he retro, uh, retroactively, he does actually, uh, give a nationality to Captain Nemo. In that book, now he's suddenly East Indian. Which is fine, because he, like, again, he, even though he meant uh, for Captain Nemo to be Polish in the first book, he never had got a chance to state that because of his publisher, but I guess his publisher was fine in the sequel with him being like, Captain Nemo's East Indian and the evil empire that fucked up his country and killed his wife and children were the British. So, which is funny, because I'm assuming... Well, I guess he's French, so of course anything that <laughs> says the British are fucked up, his publisher's probably A-OK -okay with. Yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah, which is, yeah, in... Some of the more recent adaptations of, of of Captain Nemo and stuff like that I've seen 
they've kind of gone out of their way to kind of make him an East Indian. Like, I know he was a brown dude. Did you ever see that terrible, terrible, what's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he was like, I don't, I, 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 <laughs> they were like, you know what this needs? I think he, Tom Sawyer. Oh, the comics were good. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because that's the thing they added to the movie, to the story in them, because they were like, yeah, we need a young white male. We need an Amer- no, it was, we need an American- That's what it was. Dude from history in this. Who gives a fuck about Tom Sawyer? Like, Jesus- Who gives all, a fuck? Maybe if you had John Henry or somebody else. Yeah, of all the American- Fuck. That's the most boomer decision. <laughs> what guy totally from history? Is. In American history. Actually, if they had gotten David Crockett, that would have actually been... That's the only thing that could have been more boomer. Who's our equivalent of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Why, Tom Sawyer! <laughs> he painted a fence once! Thanks, guys. Yeah, great. It, it's, it's called the League of Sterling Gentlemen, not the League of Kids Who Painted a Fence Once and Then Hid in a Cave. <laughs> Because that's all he does in that fucking story. They, who would have more interesting if they got Huck Finn rather than Tom Sawyer? But Ugh. Oh, God. Yeah, so anyway. So, yeah, this, so they just made a movie out of that book. And they said, let's get Powder mm -hmm. Toast Man to fucking play Captain Tight Pants. And, yeah, he's got fucking... Yeah, fucking Kirk Douglas got little man buns on him in this movie. Yeah, he's... Yeah, how you doing? Um, this is actually maybe the first Kirk Douglas movie I've ever seen. Yeah, me too, I I've think, never seen maybe? Spartacus. No, that's been on my list forever, but then I look at the runtime, I'm like, eh. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. next pick for Tardy the Party, I think I know what I'm doing. I always mm -hmm. kind of d decided against it, because it was always, for some reason, thought it was too long. It's only like mm -hmm. three minutes longer than this movie that we're talking about today, so uh, that's why mm -hmm. it's going to be my next choice. Going like, I have fun, fuck it. Uh, so, yeah, this movie, yeah, it's actually like, for a 1950s movie, actually, for, especially for a Disney film, which uh, I think everything we've seen up until now has been pretty short. Like, barely 90 minutes. Yeah, this movie's like two hours and like ten minutes long. Um, yeah. It's pretty good. And, man, you see every moment of that on the screen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and that's part of the problem, because I'm assuming... I've seen people talk about how the book can be a little bit of a slog because it's so highly episodic. Mm -hmm. And when you, have, when you have a story that's highly episodic... It's when... not so much that. It's, hey, let's make sure we use all the footage we got of them walking around underwater. Yeah. Although I kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm Just not cause... saying it was necessarily bad. I didn't hate watching <laughs> it, I... but it could have been trimmed down quite a bit. This is one of those movies where if I had to watch it on any other Saturday, I would have been... I may have been, like, less patient with it. If I had anything I had to do... Because this movie takes, like like you said, it takes its fucking time. It has no problem with just being like, hey, let's have 20 minutes of random underwater photography just because we can, not because it's necessarily the story. But I just happened, it just mm -hmm. happened to hit me on a Saturday afternoon where I had absolutely nothing else to do. And I was like, fine, fuck it. And it's kind of cool to see underwater color photography in the 1950s because that's something you still didn't see a lot of back then. Even though half yeah. of this stuff is like superimposed fish over the underwater photography. Um, and that's kind of my relationship. I kind of like this movie. I'm not in love with it. I don't know if I'll ever even watch it again. But I actually True. had a pretty good time with this movie. Um, yeah, it, it did take me three hours to watch because I kept on falling asleep during it. I, I'll bring you an endorsement. I, I was watching it. And, oh god, what happened? There was, they, they were talking, and the next thing I knew, they were on the island watching the people haul the gunpowder. And I was like, did I miss anything? And I hit rewind, I was like, oh, I literally missed the whole 20 minutes where, like, the, the squid shows up and attacks the boat. 
which is the big climax. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's not even actually the climax of the movie, but that's part of the part of the movie yeah. I've always heard about. That's the only part people care about. <sighs> yeah, and then the only reason I even really heard about that is because the guy who made the giant squid was Bob Maddy, who made the shark from Jaws. And me being a special uh, special effects nerd, I've, that's that was always my reference because I didn't have time. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say something offensive here. Okay. I think he did a better job on the squid. Yeah, well, the the, <laughs> the, the thing from the thing about Jaws is everyone talks about it. it's such a good movie because the jaw the, because the shark never worked, and so they had to focus on mm -hmm. the characters, and the shark never worked because Bob Bob Matty fucked up. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's it's funny how people. Talk about Bob Maddie was this mechanical genius when his most famous creation uh, is known for having not worked, and that yeah. made the movie that his creation was supposed to be in better. But uh, yeah, and I, I just looked him up before we started recording. I didn't realize. I guess he really was more of an Imagineer than a normal special effects, uh, generic Hollywood special effects guy. Because yeah, he did like mechanical effects for Mary Poppins and stuff like that. And mm. oh god, there was something else Disney related he was like responsible for. I was like oh, okay, that 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 makes sense. He's just. Yeah, I guess maybe after Disney stopped. I mean, I guess he must have retired from Imagineering and did some freelance special effects work, and that's how he wound up working on Jaws. What am I talking about? We're talking about 220,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. Did you, are we doing blow by blow? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> Disney loves opening their movies with books. Oh, oh man, if it's a book, books. they're going to open with it. They still need oh, to do yeah, that more books. often. I would have probably liked Ryan the Last Dragon even more if it started off with... I guess that should have been a scroll or something like that, but... Yeah! Put more books in your movies, Disney! Come on! Do it! Don't be cowards! In you the know, year 1868, you know. the shipping world was alarmed by rumors of an avenging monster on the loose. A series of strange events befell certain vessels cruising the Great South Seas and traveling along this nightmare sea lane, dwindling to just a few bold ships. Here's, a, here's some nice footage of a boat just chugging along, minding his own business. But oh no, there's a monster with glowing green eyes headed towards it. Look out, chugging boat! And they just oh explodes. no, it blew up! I mean, it, it blew up like it was made out of Death Star. It's obviously a little toy boat and a little toy mm -hmm. thing under the wall. Although the actual scale got those is sparks good. that fly it's out. It's the sparks it, like, that the can really did. give away the fact that, like, oh, that model's only like two feet long. Like, it's not even mm -hmm. like a big model, but yeah, um. I was going to make a Master and Commander joke, because actually Master and Commander opens the same way where it's text I saying, would have laughed so hard. <laughs> nothing, nothing entertains the kids more than making jokes about Master <laughs> Commander. Uh, oh. yeah. It's pretty cool. Never I, a bad reference. I do love the way the Nautilus looks underwater. It does look pretty threatening with those big green eyes and everything like that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now some young guy is yelling about how they need men to sail on their boats and they'll pay double wages and how another and now another man is yelling about how the monsters don't care about the double wages. And here's an old man. He's gonna tell us about how his whole crew died and he's like, Hey people died. It's like a Simpsons character, because he's all like, Oh Oh, I was on Kirk the biggest sea boat and we got attacked by a giant fifty thousand eyed monster with ten foot tentacles and Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kirk Douglas is there too. He's playing Mr. Lands. Does he get it? His name is Lands. Yeah, that's a little he's, he's like a Jules Verne. I'm... Yeah, your sailor is named Land. I get it. Wait, Jules Verne was he... French, right? I don't know. Wait, yeah, I, I assume all this shit was originally published in French. Well, you know what one of my favorite goofs on IMDb was for this movie? Oh, I, you know what? I... It was, no, shut up. <laughs> it was. The professor's accent doesn't sound French at all. 
great goof, guys. It's not a I mean, goof. You nailed That's it. Yelling at the, at the movie. Just like, oh god. I, I, is it actual an actual Frenchman? I'm assuming they must have hired a British guy to pretend to be French. No, who, it doesn't fucking matter. Anyway. Anyway, he's there. He's a harpooner. He wants to smell the old man's breath, because that's how he gets off. But he gets bonked on the head by the, hey, don't go out there, there's monsters, man. Right into the mud. And then a fight breaks out, but Kirk Douglas grabs ladies and is like, hey, let's gonna go bang, because I got a rage and stiffy from fighting those dudes, <laughs> but the cops take him away. And he's like, oh, what's the deal, guys? Kirk Douglas takes a pretty good header into the mud. Like, uh, it was pretty... Actually, Kirk Douglas is a really good physical performer in this movie. Like, he's not above I, I, throwing himself around in, in this flick. I read he requested this scene to be added because he was known for being a ladies' man and a fighter in his movies, and he wanted to keep that reputation going. So, yeah. I mean, I guess he is playing a sailor, but even in a Disney... I'm known for being a poonhound. Please put me in there with ladies. I could totally see him being like, yes. Because he seems like such an archetypal mid-50s, like, yeah. Like Charlton Heston, kind of like, nah, my my yeah. reputation. Uh. Also, my Kirk Douglas impression is more an impression of the impression from Animaniacs of Kirk Douglas. Oh no, so what was that? that? That was this. <laughs> Although I, I realized just, watching you this, just sound like, you, I, you sound like you're I just trying, trying to be horny. <laughs> this. That's kind of what he does. Yeah, okay. Every now and then, he doesn't do it a ton, but every now oh. and then he, he accentuates stuff with his voice cracking. <laughs> Like, when he says, yeah, I've had a belly full. <laughs> That's Please hilarious. Like that. But I, I realized watching this, I don't know where I got it from, but I already had a James Mason impression. You know what? I, I was going to I was gonna hold my tongue until we got to the James Mason part, but then I was like, I, I, exactly, same here. You know what I think part of it, at least part of it I recognized, was, do you know the comedian Matthew Barry? Um, he's a short little uh, Englishman. Who he's the he's one of the leads on the What We Do in the Shadows sitcom right now. Um, he's if you've ever looked if oh, you maybe that's where if I you got look it, it up it seems like he's based his entire personality around just living like a James Mason impression. But I think, yeah, but it, but his is less breathy. James Mason is more breathy. But James Mason is yeah. When he showed up, I'm like, I know this voice. What is this? Yeah, I know it. And I was too. like, is this like, like did Hanna Barbera base a cartoon character off of this voice or something? <laughs> and like that's I I I I'm right there with you. With well, I'm sure I've seen plenty of select, like uh, comedians and do their own James Mason impressions. But like, there's something out there where I'm like, okay, there's something like that's based off of James Mason, which is like, so when he shows up in this, I'm like, I know what. Yeah, that's something, but I can't yeah. remember what. And the closest thing I could be like, it's like, okay, James, Matthew Barry, he totally kind of like riffing off of, uh, yeah, James Mason. Yeah, but his yeah, is a it's, lot deeper, but yeah. Yeah, but it's still that kind of like, oh, the... And I really do like, I mean, we'll get to James Mason in a bit. But. Yes, you have to sound like you're constantly constipated. I mean... Trying to pinch it off. When you do that, then that's also kind of like... Do you think uh, Tim Curry was going to a James Mason place when he played Frankenfurt? That's what I'm saying. Maybe. There's something like, yeah, it feels like it's um, yeah. My impression of James Mason is almost like a bad Tim Curry impression. Yeah, which and would that's be my impression of Tim Curry. <laughs> but it's so much like God. Yeah. Um, I I even while watching this movie last night, I found myself trying to do a James Mason impression just to see if that would trigger what it is that I'm thinking about when I hear his voice. But yeah. 
Anyway. We, we're both trying to think of what we've, what impression we've heard of him being done. We should have gone to Twitter and been like, hey, everyone, go watch a clip of James Mason speaking. What is this? What do we know this from? Like, <laughs> what is, this is? Well, what does he mean? What, <laughs> like, I'd like the idea. What is he, what's, what did James Mason base his entire personality around that we're thinking of? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, but. <laughs> so, uh, elsewhere, there's a scientist and Peter Lorre. Uh, all the ships are canceled, so they can't get to Sh Saigon, or, or the Orient, as everybody yeah, constantly calls it. I don't know if that's a Disney thing, or if the, because the story is based in 1950, or 1850 thing, but it's probably a combination of both, but yeah. Yeah, So, some newspaper men are there, and are like, Hey, can you answer some question? And Peter Lloyd's like, No, you will just misquote him. So, but he's like, Alright, I'll answer, you can misquote me away, ahoy! <laughs> yeah. And they're like, hey, is it possible there could maybe possibly might be a monster in the sea somewhere? Possibly? We don't know, maybe? And he's like, I, oh, sure, whatever, I guess, maybe it's possible. Give so they draw, go ahead, and they draw a monster and print that shit in the paper with a big bold headline saying, Monsters exist, says French scientist, in warning to world. They gotta sell them papers, and but that asshole didn't even draw a sea monster. He just drew a fucking dragon attacking a boat. Yeah, well, I do love the guy. That's the opposite. The guy of next to him was monster. like, he says something like, "Oh yeah, you need to make those wings bigger" or something like that. And I was like, "Oh no, that's funny. Yeah, it's just gonna be like not even a sea <laughs> monster, but just <laughs> like a the, weird random monster monster." Then when the professor's looking at the drawing, he's like, "Yeah, that's pretty correct. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Some this, scientist? This is not you a very are. good scientist. Yeah." No. I wish that was more of an actual, like, character-defining thing. It, a, after this scene, that kind of gets dropped, but it would be funny, be funny if he was, like, the world's worst scientist on top of everything else, but... So, is... Do sea monsters exist and it's supposed to be the giant squid in this this world? Did you... Hmm. No, I think... Or is it just a giant squid? I think they, they just happen to get attacked by then? a giant squid. I think the idea is that it's always been Captain Nemo all along. And he's just mm -hmm. unlucky enough to get attacked by a giant squid after kind of terrorizing everybody in the South Seas, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But, yeah. So, uh, there's a knock on the door and some dude from the government and he's like, Hello, I'm your 1950s science fiction exposition man who talks and overpronounces every word I say in a very clear and concise way so those dumb, dumb 1950s audiences can understand what the heck we're trying I to do I love it even in this story that's supposed to take place in like the, the 1800s, like the early, like mid-1800s, you still have this very 1950s science guy show up and be mm -hmm. exactly like that. I love it, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say something like, we shouldn't dabble in God's domain. I'm surprised the guy doesn't show up in a white lab coat with a, uh, with a, with a pipe and <laughs> with glasses. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And saying something along the lines like, women don't belong in science. <laughs> exactly. Because you gotta That's say that in every only... science movie from the 1950s, too. That's like the one 1950s science fiction movie trope that's missing from this, is just rampant misogyny, yeah. I mean, there's no women in it, aside from the prostitutes that Kirk Douglas had, so it kind yeah, of exists. exactly, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and true. the seal, just, I guess. Yeah, misogyny by <laughs> by absence, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. So, uh, he's like, "You want to go to the Orient? Well, we can take you, but it'll take three or four months. You cool with that?" And they, yeah, they're cool with that. They they also they just want to look around and and see if there's a monster out there. I do like yeah, they're just like, that's cool. We, we're two confirmed bachelors. We literally have nothing else to do. It's like me watching this movie on a Saturday. We're like, ah, that's fine. I got, I got nothing to do. I can just spend months going around in circles with you guys. Yeah. 
They're like, and if you see something, you can say, yeah, baby, I saw that. Science is my jam, and you can trust me. I'm French. So they're like, heck yeah, we'll ship out right soon. And now let's go join the captain of the boat you're on. He doesn't believe in sea monsters. No, not at all. No, sir. So he'll be great on this expedition. <laughs> so now they're going to search the heck out of sea. Kirk Douglas is also there for reasons. And you can tell that he's a main character because he doesn't have to wear an outfit like everybody yeah, else everyone on the boat else, does. There's, there's a reason why the uniforms exist, my dude. <laughs> and so he, <laughs> he gets to dress like fucking Popeye or what, like what the fuck, yeah. He's, is he, and I think he's only there because he's a harpooner. Did the Navy not have harpooners back in the 1800s? Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. I, and he prides himself on being, like, the world's best harpooner, which, yeah, congratulations. That's that's going to be... <laughs> congratulations on your not, job I not existing in about 10 really years. really well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they sail I love Kirk Douglas huh? impressions. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, anyway. They say, yeah, that, that old internet video of, like, the multiple Kirk Douglases talking to each other out of stop motion, you remember that maybe, one? Maybe, you know what, now that I think about Kirk Douglas, that may be one of my few touchstones, uh, like, yeah, touchstones for Kirk Douglas stuff, yeah. Oh, Anyhow, god. they search and search and search, and no sea monster, never any sea monster, maybe it's some dolphins and a whales, but no sea monster, sorry, monsters. <laughs> They sail for it's a long like ass you've time. got a child who sometimes you talk to like uh, that. And the captain's like, man, I'm sick of this shit. We've been out here for three and a half months. We are so done. Man, and that seems rough having to live on a ship like that. With like, I'm, I'm assuming occasionally they'll go to land just to even resupply, but part of it is like, man, where do you poop for three months on a boat like Kirk this? Kirk Douglas never changes outfits. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hell. Everyone's just got the one change of clothes for the whole movie. No. Mm -hmm. But all they had to do was call out the search, and then they see something. It's a, it's a boat, uh, in distress in the distance. Um, it just exploded. Oh, first, no, first, first, Kirk Douglas has to sing a song. In, uh, Is this? I wonder. Was this always part of the thing, or did he insist? Where he's like, I gotta, I gotta have a wacky song. I gotta have a song about a whale of a tail. And the sailors I... are surround him, and they're like, "Oh man, he's so pretty. I love him." Someone at Disney was convinced that this whale of a tail song was going to be huge because, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was ripping music for the for the podcast to edit after we record today, and so I went looking for the Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea soundtrack, and I did find uh, a track listing for the soundtrack. I didn't find the soundtrack itself, but like half the tracks on the soundtrack are different versions of that whale of a tail song. Like, there's the, there's, there's the Kirk Douglas version, there's, like, a choral version, there's, like, a version done by fucking, like, Dizzy Gillespie, or, like, they, they really thought that, nice. like, this was gonna be the breakout hit. But yeah. It's just yeah, corny so. as shit, because it's him just talking about, like, I, 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 I kissed a mermaid, ba 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 da Yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> corniest 1950s shit, it's great. And there's a guy up in the crow's nest who's looking at a ship currently on fire and is like, well, I can't interrupt his song. I have to wait for him to finish before I let them know that there's a ship about to I want to see if what happened with Minnie the Mermaid. Yeah. So he's like, hey, there's a ship over there. And then it explodes. Oh, no. Oh, no toy boat. So, so they head on over there and try to rescue whoever was on it. But everybody's dead as hell already. And they're like, well, Hopla. <laughs> must have been a bunch of black powder on it, but what set it off? Something must have struck it, or something struck <laughs> or it struck something, I don't know. So they all start arguing about maybe it was the monster, you never know. But no time to argue about that, because there's a monster over there. 
So it's, yeah, go ahead. the man says, drummer boy, start drumming. And it's Charles Grodin, drumming a drum. <laughs> it's it's his first quarters? acting gig. Which I guess is that, that, that whenever you hear the drum, that means you're supposed to go and start doing that. Now yeah. the action scene starts, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you tell Famous the Famous star of yeah. Beethoven, Charles Grodin. <laughs> Why, Beethoven? I mean, Beethoven's fine, but Charles Grodin's a Muppet. Great Muppet came. I know, but that doesn't work with the joke about t- saying one of the worst movies ever. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they start shooting cannons. And, uh, why is Nemo fucking with these guys? Shouldn't he just be leaving? He destroyed the boat with the flag's little flag with a bunch of black powder on it. But he's like, hey, they're shooting at us! I don't know, I can't... They, they... In retrospect, too, I'm trying to wonder, is he attacking everybody or is he just trying to attack ships? Of the nation that he's so angry at, because again, I don't know. Because you're absolutely correct. Especially, he would probably know that this is a warship. So maybe don't fuck with this ship, especially if they're not part of whatever. Unless he's angry at America. I mean, I could also just like I know the whole point, of Captain Neo. He's also just upset at the whole world in general, and that's the whole point of him doing this thing where he's trying to escape underwater because he wants to get the way away away from the rest of civilization. But it is a little bit like Captain Nemo brings this all down on his head. Like, yeah, it's his fault that everything else in the story happens this way, because he suddenly decides to fuck with a giant warship in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they hit this monster with his big glowing green eyes, which make a great target, I'm sure. <laughs> That's the other thing, um, man! Like, and also, like, so did he mean to make everyone think that, like, there was a sea monster attacking by designing his ship to look like a sea monster? Is that just a side effect? Because... Yeah, then it's, why not turn uh, well, uh, off the lights in your ship? Or, like, design it in without the... Book, the tr- it's, yeah. In the book, it just looks like a cigar, so... Which, that's, with that's the funny thing, yeah. With it, well, and because they decided to make it look more like a sea monster in the movie, that does bring up more questions about, like, why is... Like, what... Yeah, what is Captain Nemo trying to accomplish with his ship? Like, aside from just attacking everything, is he also, also trying to spread stories of... It is... I mean, to be fair, it is a cool-looking ship. Less cool when yeah. you get to see the whole thing. But when yeah. you just just get to see a glimpse of it, because they even designed it so it's got like, like it's got the big green eyes and it's got that kind of spiny ridge on what it looks like its head. But it's also got like mm-hmm. a little bit of a tail at the end, like a little bit of a tip, like almost looks like a shark's fin sticking out the end, which really creates the effect of the like the illusion of like it is some kind of animal. But yeah, it's it's the movie never addresses whether or not he's doing he's trying to make everyone think he is a sea monster. I don't know. It's it's kind of I don't know. So they hit it with a cannon, and Kirk Douglas gets in a boat with a, a stick to say, I can hit it with a stick. <laughs> That'll take care of it, Kirk. Good I, thinking. Because seriously, at that point, he's close enough to that. Th- he's close enough to harpoon it. So he should be close enough to see that it's metal. It's made of metal and like rivets. And like, he mm-hmm. should, if you're close enough to harpoon it, you should be close enough to realize, like, okay, this is not. I'm not going to. It's a metal machine. You're not going to do anything with the harpoon, Kirk Douglas. Come on. But it's just an excuse it's to get him off the boat. the one thing he was born to do. Yeah. Between that yeah. and fucking mermaids, I guess, and singing about that. Mm-hmm. And also, the professor gets knocked off the boat, but Peter Laurie jumps in to save him. Yeah. This is just, yeah, all of our heroes just happen to be putting themselves into a situation that they're not going to go down to the rest of the ship when it gets blown up. It rams the boat. Everything goes crash, boom, bam. Yeah. Kirk Douglas gets knocked in the water with his long boat. And... And the boat leaves all of these men behind, just drifting, because it's disabled. They cannot help us. 
and then later there's stuff floating around in fog and I they find what looks like a monster oh no but they go over to it and climb on and it's a submarine boat or a submerging boat for the dummies in the audience great job guys i mean it is the 1950s but it is funny how like because these days you would not have to explain a submarine to anybody but it's still like like you have to explain like just basic things that like submarines were used in world war ii everyone should under like just the idea of like imagine like the whole concept when they first got on just the normal boat at the beginning of the movie they had to be like we're going to go on a finger quotes ship which is made of yeah. wood that goes on the water like it's funny they have to explain to people like yeah it's like yeah we get it um getting in a car it's a land boat <laughs> it's a horse with wheels like yeah um <laughs> but yeah for some reason and also in retrospect What's going on here doesn't make any sense, because I guess Captain no. Nemo went nuts, decided to destroy two ships, including a giant warship, and then immediately parked it so everyone could get out of the ship to do whatever they're... I'm, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but... Anyway, so fucking... Yeah, we gotta spend 20 minutes of them just walking around an empty boat. Yeah, so fucking Dracula... Fucking... Fucking Dracula and fucking Professor Dude are just like... Why am I calling Peter Laurie Dracula? <laughs> I don't know. What's Peter Laurie M? We'll call him the child molester from M, which is another movie I was meant to do for Thursday Party, but never got around to watching. But uh, yeah, so Professor Moriarty and fucking Peter Laurie just like now have just free reign to like this goes on for 20 minutes in the movie of them just kind of like wandering around the ship looking for people and there's no one there. Completely empty. Yeah, and they also, they also do manage to pick up uh, Kirk Douglas, who did manage to land in the in the longboat. He and, also finds it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, he, he asked, uh, Peter Laurie to help him flip over his longboat. And he's like, man, fuck this thing. I'm going to take my chances back on the open ocean. And Peter Laurie's like, yes, me too. And he goes to get the professor who's looking out an underwater window at the sea below them. And they both look out the window together at a bunch of fools in diving suits having a burial for someone, putting down a cross made out of coral, holding a whole funeral okay, service a, out in the ocean. It actually is a burial. So presumably the someone mm -hmm. who just died in the battle with Peter Laurie yeah. and uh, Professor Moriarty's fucking ship, which is real quick, is yeah they they suddenly like get a coffin, put the guy. Well, it's not like it's like, the guy's like on top of a coffin. They put a blanket over know. him. Yeah, yeah, it's this whole thing that they decide to do. Like then they they, and, they they leave their ship literally open to anyone who any survivors they, of the ship they just blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Laurie's like, let's get out of here, and the professor's like, no, no, no. Let's stand at this window and wait until they notice us. I thought at <laughs> Great least, job. I thought Peter Laurie would be at least like, hey, let's go upstairs, close the hatch so they can't go back in. And then mm -hmm. at least now we can figure out what to do with the ship. They don't even think to do that. No. It's like, yeah, And of course, the people outside notice them and, oh, no, look out. They're very slowly moving towards us. 35 ah. minutes later, they finally get to this. It's 35 minutes of Professor Moriarty and, and Peter Lori hey. going, Oh no, they're slowly walking back to the ship. What are we going to do? Yeah. That submarine's like 20 feet from the bottom of the sea in the middle of the ocean. That doesn't feel right to me. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a funny thing too later in the movie where the cannibals are coming out to the, to the Nautilus. And mm -hmm. you see that like when they try to escape from the Nautilus... They're using their, at least a couple of the guys are using their spears like a gondola pilot uh, by mm. sticking their spears into the water and the end of their spears are hitting the surface, uh, uh, the, 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 the ocean floor right beneath their boats to turn away from the Nautilus. But they're right next to the Nautilus, 
So, which suggests yeah. that the Nautilus only like th only exists like three feet under the surface of the water. Like, there's no way that you could use it like just like a five foot spear to like push yourself away from the Nautilus by by pushing it into the dirt beneath your boat. Like, yeah, it's it's almost like this is not a documentary. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mo Cinema Sins. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but yeah, they so get it out there. They get to the boat on the long boat but then a bunch of diver suits pop up and are like Rawr! it's kind of and funny they... too because it's like clumsy old 1950s diving suits retrofitted to look like extra clumsy 1850s diving suits <laughs> yeah yeah and then they get them off the boat take them inside and uh they also sink the long boat just to be assholes <laughs> why not <laughs> thanks a lot guys yeah they get taken inside meet captain nemo and the professor's like Hey, we thought you were a monster. What? You could... That's why we shot you. You get it, right? And Nima's like, Oh, shit. I know you. I read your writings. Tight shit. Tight shit. That big brain pad of yours means you can stay here on my boat. But these two fools, I don't know. And if she can ha they see sent them, they can have it back. So the professor's like, What the fuck, man? I'm as guilty as they are. And Nemo's like, nah, man, your book is super cool, but land offers you nothing else. Everything on land has been solved and figured out in the 1800s, so maybe the ship can be your new science place now. Is that what Nemo the says to the professor? Is that what the professor's saying to them? Basically, okay, yeah. yeah. I he says, do so maybe love... the he'll share the secrets of the sea with him. Ooh. Which is, yeah, watching this these days, it's, yeah. I... <laughs> when everything's already being shipped to hell... Literally and figuratively, it's 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 hard not to giggle a little bit at their little science bromance that's brewed between sure, the professor and Sure, just how cocky people people in the 1800s were that were like, "Well, we figured out land." It is funny as hell because they're all like, "Yeah, now that we have civilized the world, like mm -hmm. uh, there's no more frontiers left to humanity." So I guess we'll just like, yeah, seize our only interesting thing left to do is explore underwater. But which is, yeah. hey, actually still. Technically true. The I I know the scientists are always talking about how like even compared to like you know space the the the, the oceans of the earth are still weirdly like undocumented in terms of just like yeah. what's there. But yeah, it is kind of mm -hmm. funny like the hubris of like the 1850s of like yes the, we have <laughs> life could not possibly get any better than it is in the 1850s uh, on land. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, the professor's like, I have to choose between my companions and some dingus I just met. Well, I guess <laughs> I'll go die with my friends. Thanks. Yeah, I do appreciate because I thought there was going to be more of a thing where like Professor Moriarty was got to choose between his friends and Captain Nemo, but like, no, he's just like, he's just he tries to be nice to Nemo, but at the same time, he's like, no, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so they they take him up above, put him outside, and Nemo's like, "Let's dive." <laughs> Where? How are you gonna dive? You're right above the seafloor. You're gonna crash your ship. Yeah, because we just saw that there's literally five feet between the bottom of the Nautilus, and which, of course, they're, they're driving away, so presumably they're going to deeper part of the ocean. But still, yeah. No, but they start to <clears throat> dive right away. Mm. I guess then, in um... the book, this is one of the few changes from the book is that. This is something that Captain Nemo threatens to do, but doesn't actually do. And I saw someone online was like, I was terrified when watching this as a child when I realized it was Captain Nemo actually carrying out his threat from the book. Boom, boom, Ooh. boom. And Captain Nemo has just built a window at the on the top of the submarine so he could just watch people when he tries to drown them this way, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, they dive below, watching the waves come up around these dudes outside, and then was like, all right, let's get them back inside and confine them to quarters. I've discovered I found what I was... Yeah. I found out what I needed to know. He, and he's the master prankster. He's gonna show them the footies later, and they're gonna laugh. He's just Look giggling. how scared you were. He's like, I just did this for my TikTok. Hilarious. I hope you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a seal on the ship, because of course there is. <laughs> I... Uh, you guys have survived the TikToks lash a couple of strangers to my sea monster boat challenge. <laughs> Yay, Yay, they did it. Uh, so later, he's like, hey, I, sorry. I, well, he doesn't say sorry. I tried to kill you guys. You want to sit down and have, have dinner with me? Yeah, that's one of the ways he doesn't say sorry. He pointedly doesn't say sorry, but hey, let's talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lands is very casual, just oozing with white privilege all over the place. Oh, yeah. And also, he only eats with a knife? Because he's well, a fucking weirdo? Nemo's what is he like, doing? You know you do have he's a like fork. eating pudding with a knife. And, like, even Nemo's like, you know, you know, I know we're underwater, but, you know, you can use a fork if you want. And he's all like, well, I'm Kirk Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> I like to stab my tongue. <sighs> so, uh,. But when Nemo tells them that everything they're eating came from the sea, they act like he just served them various piles of dog vomit which, and poop. Kind of, which is, I mean, I know that, the, like... The, Aren't they sailors and shit? Don't they eat fish what and the seafood? What the fuck were they eating? Like, were they eating fucking fresh beef before they came to... Exactly! <laughs> they just spent three months at sea, and, like, all three of them... Well, I guess the less, uh, the professor keeps on eating... Uh, fucking Peter Lorre gets all like, he just stops eating, but then like, fucking Kirk Douglas is all like about to just projectile vomit fucking Mr. Creosote all over the place. What it's, is this? It's seaweed. Oh, oh no! Oh, it's seaweed, it's sea cucumber. <laughs> the, maybe the one gross thing, well, fucking Kirk, Kirk uh, Hamilton, Kirk Douglas, what the fuck, <laughs> Captain Kirk, he's like, oh, get, hand me that cream. And I, I guess he's assuming that's the one thing that must actually be real. And then, even then, like, fucking Captain Nemo's all like, that's, like, that's, like, milk. It's, like, the milk from The Last Jedi. It's green, green thalassiren milk or whatever the fuck. And it's sperm whale That's juice. what it is. And, well, I, <laughs> any excuse to say you're drinking sperm is enough to make Kirk yeah, Douglas. Yeah, yeah. He literally spits it out. It's funny, like, he almost, like, it almost seems like he almost cracks for a moment. It almost seems like he almost actually laughs, like, as an actor. Like, he almost, he almost breaks the scene because of the way he spits it out and, I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, these are yeah. fucking prudes, man. I'm totally... Like, yeah. I think every... Especially these days. Of course, like, it's, you know, it's been 70 years since this movie was made, so of course this scene seems even sillier in retrospect, says someone who still eats shitloads of meat. And, but still, it's like... Just... Just the idea that, but, like, oh, but, this uh, was put, kelp? Ooh! The, the pudding is a uh, sauté of unborn octopus, so... I guess the unborn is. thing is supposed to be the extra kind of gross part there, but who gives a shit, yeah. Who gives a shit? Nemo yeah. says they're nearing the island of Crespo, so they can get off and go hunting. Crespo. Peter Lorre and Kirk Douglas will help. And and this is when I was like, why is his pant, his belt so tight on him? Oh, Kirk Douglas? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm watching so, it now, uh, and it's kind of a funny thing, because Mr. Uh, the Professor and uh, Nemo continue. They, they have a little bit of a conversation. Uh, fucking Mr. Nemo lights fucking the Professor's cigar with, like, a conch shell? Mm. I love that all of his props, like, instead of just having a lighter, he has, like, a lighter duct taped to the inside of a conch shell. Just because, like, <laughs> yeah. I guess he's just got this whole themed environment now. Yeah. 
cigars. And those are seaweed cigars. <laughs> oh, that's the, yeah. And that is the one thing they love for you to do in submarines. Just smoke it up. Gotta burn away all this oxygen. I thought, like, the oxygen uh-huh. stuff would be more of it. Because, like, there is a meter when they first enter the ship. When they sneak aboard, there's, like, oxygen half full or something like that. But I thought they're the... Yeah. Also, the movie does the funny thing where... Uh, I guess presumably Captain Nemo, he's, his cabin's like on the top deck or something like that because he has these portals out his window, which it seems like half the, half the time they show him in the film, like the water outside the portals is only half full and you can kind of see sky on top, which sometimes Mm. also happens when they're submerged underwater. So they're not even Mm. consistent about like, (laughs) yeah. So... Captain Nemo tells the professor he was re- he really likes that he was willing to die for his friends, but he won't elaborate on that. But while he, while they, he waits, he says he has a plan for him because he liked that he was dying for his friends, yeah. but he's not going to elaborate on that. And while you're hanging out, take advantage of stuff. We can hang out on the boat, look at the art, read the books, play the music, whatever, till he has use for him. And then they go to a window, look out underwater at the island of Crespo, because the island of Crespo sunk. Now it's all under the sea. Then yeah. it's not an island anymore, you dingus. Uh, yeah, it's called Underwater. <laughs> it's called just <laughs> what's left of Crespo, which is not much. And I guess mm-hmm. this is Nemo's underwater base where they do all their underwater farming and shit. So yeah. I guess this is where they get all their unborn co- octopuses and yeah, what the fuck. Peter Laurie and Kirk Douglas get all suited up and ready to go underwater, do hunting and farming. And, uh... Mr. Land is feels like that one guy who keeps showing up to your parties, but nobody says they had invited him, but he's there anyway, and he always breaks a table or something. Yeah. And he's just generally an asshole, he's... but he's so happy and jovial about it, nobody says anything because they're afraid he'll stab, snap and stab somebody. He's the Matthew he McConaughey of, 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 of the sailor set, where he's just always showing yeah. up. and <laughs> They keep on... They, I keep getting older, they keep on staying stay the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, on a, an expedition from the Nautilus, the professor's like, man, I want to go out there. I want to swim, swim, swim. So Nemo will show him around. So get ready for 20 minutes of watching people in lumpy, awkward diving suits yeah. farting all over the place. <laughs> Woo, we get to watch every moment of it. Very Yahoo! slowly. Disney was so proud of all this footage. Yeah, this just goes on and, and The whole on sea in this universe is 20 feet below them. Yeah. It is! I, so, uh, I do wonder where they filmed all this stuff, because there are some, like, fish, like, it's not just the bottom of a bathtub, at least, or bottom of yeah. a swimming pool, because you actually do see the actors, they are, they are like, walking among some coral reefs and stuff. And, well, <laughs> well and, you see some people, because every time you tell, and when you see the actors in the, the suits, you can barely tell they're in front of a rear projection screen. Yeah. You can barely tell! To be fair, there's actually surprisingly little, like, rear projection stuff in this movie. Yeah. Like, That's obviously, true. when they're on top of the Nautilus, like, they're obviously just on, on a set and stuff like that. But I was shocked that later on, when they actually do go on on an island, it's like, oh, they actually shot this somewhere. They, like, actually, yeah. like, went to the Bahamas or something like that. Because this is actually, it's not just, like, a fucking, again, it's just not a set. They're actually somewhere. So, it's, like, and then th- that's nice to see with the underwater stuff. Like, they might just be, like, in a spring in Florida or something like that. But at least it's, again, yeah, it's not just... It, that would have been the worst if they were underwater and they were just like in dry air with like rear projection <laughs> yeah. water behind them. Like that doesn't happen. That may happen for like one or two shots in this movie, but generally, and obviously it's not the actual actors in this actual live underwater stuff. It's actually just a bunch of stunt performers stuff. But still, yeah. it's it's 
the production value on this movie is actually relatively modern for its time, so... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they do manage to break the excitement of watching people slowly walk around every now and then by having the professor say shit like, Wow, the sea, huh? Sure is wild we farming down to sea, huh? Check out how my man handled these lovely sea turtles. Wow, that really makes you feel uncomfortable, huh? Hey. Woo! 1950s people sure were assholes when it came to wild animals and film, huh? <laughs> wow, whoopsie doodles! For some reason, they decided to arrest a bunch of sea turtles? <laughs> it's the Because they literally have these, like... It's like they're trying to, like, fucking perp-walk them into the back of a cop car. Where they're, they oh, grab it. these sea turtles and are literally just dragging them through the water through by their fins. And it's I hated the most, it. Like, oh my, what? It, it is so 1950s as fuck. Like, holy mm -hmm. Jesus. And so, but they, they, they like, and then suddenly one of the guys sees a matte painting pirate ship underwater, <laughs> and so they decide to go check it out. And, mm -hmm. yeah. and the music's all oop, doop, 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 Yeah, even though they're actually still filming underwater, and it's not just like a shitty set on some soundstage, even the music still has to make it seem kind of dopey as shit. So yeah. They can find a treasure chest full of treasure, but they have to leave it behind because there's a fishes that swim by them. So they gotta use the harpoon gun to get rid of it. Hard to tell if Disney just killed a shark in Seems real life like or it, not. Because that shark is bleeding, and <laughs> they kind of look at the shark and go, "Yeah, we're cool. We're 1950s white guys." Yeah, mm -hmm. and then then they're suddenly back on the Nautilus. Yeah, and what did it, what did Mr. Lands expect was going to happen with the treasure? He get it back on the boat, and the, the, Captain Nemo was going to be like, "Well, you got me. You found some treasure. I guess you're free to go now." Because like that's it's they're, yeah, there's there's not even guarantee that like fucking Nemo's going to let these guys live, much less finders keepers, losers weepers, egg all over my face. Ned Land assumes way too much about his his likelihood of getting out of this situation alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ned Land really is in this movie the epitome of white privilege. It is just between that fucking like that chin that looks like Nemo a, a is constantly subway. like constantly like I really seriously am like two inches away from killing you at all times, and he's always like, "Yeah, but you're not gonna." Because I'm Kirk Douglas and I'm the star of the film. Yeah, yeah I, I, how uh, Kirk Douglas there gets was through so this... much of this, so much of this movie. I'm I was constantly just sitting there going like. Who's the bad guy here? Are we supposed to like this? No, we cannot supposed to like him. He's an ass. No, we're supposed to like wh who? Yeah, because what? I mean, on paper, the villain is supposed to be Captain Nemo, but he's the most yeah. sympathetic character in the movie. Ned Land is supposed to be the funny kind of like a the wacky character everyone's supposed to project on, but he's the biggest white privileged shithead. I mean, Ned Land is almost the closest thing to an actual villain in this movie in terms of like unpleasant like. Get the fuck out of here! It's like, yeah, Ugh. and and the professor is just kind of like there. He just likes science, and then Peter Lorre is just upset and confused the whole time. And so <laughs> it's kind of a weird, like, yeah. In terms of, yeah, and maybe this all played more clearly and cleanly back in the 1950s, but now it's just like everyone's just kind of unpleasant in this movie. Yeah, especially Ned Land because they have, and like Kirk Douglas is totally like. I'm I'm just I I'm entitled because I'm Kirk Douglas and so why am I not getting what I want exactly what I want and so like he yells at Captain Nemo because he's like I want to take uh, treasure and Captain Nemo's like no we just use treasure for ballast and he shows him he's got a big closet filled with like golden swords and Goonies treasure and then Ned's yeah. all like Bleh! and then <laughs> that's kind of and then gets all like but I could take all this home and be rich and 
Nemo's like, who says you're going home, motherfucker? We'll return after these messages. picture screen explodes with unprecedented power as the two masters of imagination, Jules Verne and Walt Disney, join to bring you a shattering new experience in entertainment. Read by countless millions, translated into 18 languages, this classic adventure is a story of measureless scope, fraught with fantastic beauty and danger. Four great stars, give the spark of life to its leading characters in a series of inspirational performances. Kirk Douglas as the master harpooner, Ned Land. James Mason as Captain Nemo, who held the destiny of the world in his hands. Paul Lucas as Professor Aranax of the Paris Institute. Peter Lorre as Conceal. The most vivid scenes from the novel become unforgettable on the screen. The luxurious interior of the submarine the revelation of the hidden mysteries of the deep, the mighty harvests of the ocean kingdom. And the strange creatures that menace the intruders on the ocean floor. And after a safe return, the memorable dinner party. It's remarkable. This tastes like veal. The flavor deceives you. That is filet of sea snake. I guess this isn't lamb. That is brisket of blowfish with C-squared dressing, basted in barnacles. <clears throat> what is it? It's a recipe of my own. Sauté of unborn octopus. <laughs> and to stay in your memory as the most thrilling sequence ever photographed in motion picture history, the terrifying battle with the giant squid. Professor's talking to Mr. Lance and tells him, don't be such a jerk ass. But Mr. Lance's like, hey, your assistant helped me. Ask him why. And Lori's like, I didn't know you are going after treasure. I just wanted science. Okay, so then Kurt Douglas gets mad at him and hits him with his hat because he's a big bully. And then he wants off the ship and he wants to leave with his pockets full. So he'll just have to take the boat over. Dude, there's like... Two dozen dudes on that ship that will wreck your shit. What are you gonna do? You're one dude. What are you gonna get Peter Laurie on your side and you two are gonna well, take the over thing. the boat? The boat? character is acting like he knows he's Kirk Douglas, the star of a 1950s Disney film. And so mm -hmm. he's like bulletproof to the plot. He's got plot armor, which I 
I, again, looking like again, I'm sure this played better in the 1950s, but looking at it now, it just seems so just like corny and cheesy and just yeah. Yeah. Um, the professor wants him to try the professor's way first, which is to be friends with this Captain Nemo. So and Land the professor's been getting along won't... really well with Nemo, though. To be fair, yeah. yeah. The the professor, the, the Mr. Lands agrees he won't try to to take on any one man mutinies yet. Yeah, because those one-man mutinies, those always go over real well. Ned freaking about this treasure would play better if it seemed like he had any kind of plan for getting off the boat to begin with. And then yeah. maybe, like, him trying to get to the treasure on top of that would would make any more sense. But, like, there's no, yeah, there's no reason to suspect that any of these guys are getting off the ship left. So him suddenly getting all gum gummied up about this treasure that he can't get access to is just feels just like... Mm -hmm. This is just the side, side, it's just a, like, it's just a side story to the plot that, like, who gives a shit, yeah. So the, so Lands tells the professor that Nemo's <laughs> cracked, and you can't reason with Mad Dog, so while the professor's feeding him sugar, he'll be figuring out a way to muzzle him. So he leaves, <laughs> and the professor's like, man, what an asshole, there's so much science down here, he doesn't even know how much science there is, and it's super tight, I love it. And Peter Lorre tells the professor he values his life above scientific achievement. And the professor says, his life means nothing. Cool, 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 cool. Great, great. Who are we supposed to, who's supposed to be the character here we're supposed to give yeah. a shit? Because and then he tells Lorre, being... neither does, your life doesn't mean nothing either. Neither does mine, compared to what's behind all of this. Hey, cool, thanks, professor. You want to stab me in the back now or later? Making a real good awesome. case for Captain Nemo just to shove all these guys out of fucking airlock and just go home. Like, yeah, fuck all, yeah. Fuck all these guys. Later, there's a storm, but they just sail below it, so don't worry about it. Much needed. It's great. Fantastic. <laughs> they also dive through a bunch of those underwater caves that you hear so much about in the middle of the ocean. That's how Godzilla gets from one part of the planet instantaneously, according to the ah. recent Godzilla movies. Is ah. giant underwater caves that go through the core of the Earth. Mm. Um, but yeah. While they sail, Mr. Lands makes a guitar out of a turtle corpse, because that's something you could yeah, do. Yeah, it, I know they didn't mean for this movie to be shown in high resolution 4K or whatever, <laughs> 70 years later. But it's obvious it's just like a plastic turtle shell. With what like, are you talking about? He, like, somehow he's taken the spine of some other creature that already looks like a plastic neck of a ukulele, <laughs> and he just like puts one plastic animal-shaped part onto the other, and now he's just made a makeshift plastic animal carcass ukulele. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, yeah. So the professor tells Peter Lorre to keep an eye on, on, on Mr. Lands. And why? Just tell Nemo, hey man, that guy over there, he's kind of a real dingus and seems like a jerk. I don't... So if he does anything, please do not include us with it. If it was insinuated that the professor and Lori had been friends with Ned before all this stuff had started, had struck up any kind of relationship with Ned during the three months at sea before this, I could see the professor giving shit about Ned, but like us, like he has no relationship with Ned. Ned's acting like an asshole. Ned's threatening their lively, like they're, they're staying on the ship. So why not just mm -hmm. be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like maybe don't try to get him killed, but like, if he's doing something you don't want him to do, tell fucking Captain Nemo to put an net. Like, yeah, exactly. Especially if if you're so worried about, uh, like, getting in good with Captain Nemo and using the ship for good and scientific principle and stuff like that. Fuck Ned. Ned ain't done shit yeah. for anyone. Fuck that guy. No, he's yeah. he's completely all about himself. Have the professor turn to Nemo and say, "Kill Kirk Douglas." Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, as Laurie watches him, he goes, uh, 
Mr. Lands goes to the treasure closet, puts some uh, pearls in his guitar hole, and then the pet <laughs> seal comes out, checks out what, what wants to see what he's doing, got to see what he's got inside of his hole, and rams his whole nose right into his butthole as Peter Laurie watches. I don't know how much of that is was intentional versus when the, when the seal does the same thing to Peter Laurie later, that seems to be entirely... Like, Peter Laurie is not expecting that word. This seems like maybe this was a part of the staging for the Kirk Douglas bit here, but yeah. Um, and so then Kirk he Douglas asked for suddenly. It specifically. Yeah. <laughs> that was Kirk Douglas's kink. Uh-huh. No wonder he no, no or owned a bunch of uh, trained seals after this film for the rest of his life. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, suddenly the, the, the seals making sounds, and so Kirk Douglas closes the, the, the treasure closet. And starts mm-hmm. pretending that he's serenading the seal with this stupid dead turtle Koopa shell <laughs> ukulele. Yeah. And the second mate comes down and is like, Why? <laughs> the second mate doesn't think of anything about this guy. He's already been busted trying to get into the treasure before. Or... Why is nobody keeping an eye? There's dudes all over this ship. I thought I there mean, was th- going to be a... Assumedly. <laughs> I thought but... there was going to be a thing about how Captain... Because, like, the, the, these it three... It feels like these dudes have complete rule over the ship, and nobody gives a they shit They have complete rule over the ship, and... They spend all their time in their cabins talking about how they're going to overthrow Captain Nemo and, like, all their plans and stuff. And especially with Captain Nemo already being untrustful and paranoid, like, it wouldn't take much for just to say, like, I'm shocked that they didn't reveal that, like, he just had, like, a sound pipe going from their quarters to, like, wherever he can hear them and that he's been listening in on them the whole time. But no, it just seems like he just generally just trusted these guys to be cool and gave them the run of the ship for the whole movie. And yeah. I, I, and again, I don't know if that's supposed to be, be like make, make it seem like Captain Nemo's super cool or like Captain Nemo's an idiot. But like, mm-hmm. it just—I I guess that's what they needed for the plot to work. But it's just extra confusing. Because again, if you made this movie these days, like these guys would not be given the run of the ship, or if they did, it would only be under the pretenses that they've made friends with Captain Nemo, but they're planning to stab him in the back. But the movie never suggests that. It just makes it seem like yeah, Captain Nemo's just too trusting, if, if anything, which is weird, because I know that's the whole point of this character, that he doesn't trust anyone, and he's super yeah. misanthropic, but, yeah. So then, later, Captain Nemo shows the professor how the ship works, and it's all rainbows and 1950s <laughs> up and down the ass. He shows him to the Willy Wonka-ass engine room, <laughs> where it's all like, then, yeah, they're making fizzy, the fizzy lifting drinks. They, they give him a giant lead shield to stand behind so he can look in the core, and he's like, Hey, are you guys gonna be okay? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just hold our arms over our faces, I, and that'll protect us. I, I know it's the 1950s, but I'm sure that even by the 1950s, people understood how, like, radiation works. And then, like, <laughs> just putting your arm over your face is not gonna protect, like, what is... That would have protected the guys in Chernobyl if they had just put their... If arms only over they faces. had like giant like Zulu mask made out of lead that didn't protect the rest of their bodies, that would have protected them from looking at the radioactive core of the Nautilus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, for some professors to put that ridiculous thing on that only protects part of his body at the most, and yeah, he gets to look yeah. at the white, hot, glowing inner core of uh, the the Nautilus. Then later, the professor's like, man, this ship is so cool. It could make the world super awesome. And Nemo says, or it could jack it up, but good. And then they look out the window, and Nemo's like, man, land people suck ass. But under the waves here? No, sir. I'm totally safe down here. Can you imagine if they got this ship? Better they think it's a monster. 
So after traveling 10,000 leagues under the sea, which I think is like maybe 30 feet, I don't know. I, like, and it wasn't until that moment, I always assumed 20,000 leagues under the sea meant that that was how deep they were. Not yeah. that that's how much, how far they had traveled while underwater. Which yeah, makes, it's a bad name. Which makes sense, because I guess 20,000 leagues would be like, like past the Earth's it's, core if you're just talking about sheer depth from yeah, the water Yeah, I read service. that it's like enough to circle the Earth two, yeah, and, a two and a half times, times or something like that. Which I guess, like, I was looking at a map from the original printing of the book, and it is does suggest that, like, throughout the course of the story, they really have just, like, circled all around the Atlantic, went through the, the b bottom of South America, past Cape Horn, or Africa, and, like, went up the, uh, the, the Pacific and circled around the Pacific and Cape... Like, they really have... They really do go all, literally all around the world over the course of the story. Even though within the in the in within this movie, it seems like they're just spending the whole time just coasting around the South Seas. But yeah, but yeah. So the movie we know so, the movie's half done because they've only gone ten thousand uh, <laughs> miles beneath the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the Nemo takes the professor to an island, a prison camp, rump. Ronapanti or something like he that. The white man's grave. Rurapenthe. Actually, I want to see what the subtitles say. Rurapenthe. Uh, while looking up uh, the, uh, the 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 original story on Wikipedia, they 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 refer to it as like Ropaponga or something like that. The fact that he says Rurapenthe though made my ears perk up because that is the name. Oh, it's it. Um, yeah, that's Rorapandi is what the subtitles are mm. saying. But James Mason says Rorapenthe. Rorapenthe is the name of the. Uh, the Starfleet prison colony that, well, it's not Starfleet, it's the Klingon uh, prison colony that Kirk Kirk and McCoy are sent to in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So I was like, Everybody's well, favorite. Yeah. I'm just saying. And it's funny that uh, actually the name of that colony comes from James Mason's <laughs> Man, mispronunciation. Klingons love. Edgar <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rice. No, not, wait. Who wrote this? Jules Verne. <laughs> Jules Verne. They love to Jules Verne. To be fair. In that same movie, General Chang, played by Knives Out, says that uh, Jules Verne is best appreciated in the original Klingon. Mm. So, but yeah, so this is just uh, this is just backstory island for Captain Nemo because he's all like, "Hey, look at these assholes! Yeah. They're making a whole bunch of people mine gunpowder and shit." And yeah. they, the professor thought yeah. it had been abolished, but nope, it's still chugging. Nothing is abolished as long as it turns a profit to that hated nation, whatever that hated nation is. It is so weird. The phrase "hated nation" is used twelve times, but they never say what. Yeah, exactly. No, but that's that's why I was curious they're... to look up the book. I'm like, what is this hated nation? Yeah. They're digging up nitrates and phosphates for ammunition. They're loading that full cargo of death. And when they take it home, the world will die a little more. And then Nemo tells him he was <laughs> one of those Nemo totally goes all Rick and Morty and burps into the air. He didn't escape from there alone. Now they're his crew. And then, then they stole a ship and they went to a place known simply as Volcania. And the professor says, Volcania? Sounds remote. <laughs> it does? How can you tell that What is that this? supposed to mean? He's the like... The name's remote? Well, the, the professor, at a shocking moment that blew my mind, he says, that sounds remote. Also, isn't that where uh, nothing but trouble takes place? Ugh. <laughs> oh, my... Do so, we need... Oh, God. Oh, no. No. No, I, I know what you're up, thinking, and I no. Was, I was... There was... No. I was looking at... Hmm. <laughs> 
I no. had that was the thing I was thinking of last night when I was no. listing stuff. I'm just I'm not saying I'm do, gonna do it, but it's going. Oh, oh, oh. it hurts. Just no. I'm, I'm gonna break my. I fingers. tell you what, that would. You know how the room took me two weeks to take notes on? That would take me a year at least to take, get through that fucking. If it piece makes of you shit feel movie. any better, I accidentally wrote nothing but people, which shows how much I hate people in general. <laughs> that I wrote down nothing but people rather than nothing but trouble. Anyway, oh god, anyhow, no. they built the Nautilus on Volcania. Yeah, and and when their mission is complete, they're headed back there, wherever that is, and whatever their mission is. So they get back to the sub, and Limo is like, "Man, we're gonna fuck that evil boat boat up." Oh no? So oh no! Falls. What will happen? Yeah. <laughs> Nima plays his organ so much, he's just dripping sweat. It and is kind of rings. a nice moody thing. I don't know if that's from the original book or if that's just an affectation they gave him for the movie, but it is great because everyone else, because they're, they're just locked in this tin can with this guy playing his underwater organ at full blast, so everyone's having to put up with, like, yeah, Captain <laughs> Nemo just essentially just. Being what if he was shit. really bad? Yeah. He's just, I just started practicing. Because <laughs> he's playing all these famous, like, you know, organs. and shit. But I, yeah, it'd be great if he's just mashing his hands on the keyboard and just screaming and crying. <laughs> like, literally throwing a fit. Because, of course, he's, he's throwing a fit in the way that all mad geniuses in all movies always throw a fit, where, like, they're they're playing music so lustfully and it's so beautiful and it wants, makes you want to cry. I would love if he was just the insect. Or if he just, he just hooks up an electric guitar and he's just, like, trying to play scales, trying to do, trying to play fucking Stairway to Heaven, but fucking it up for three hours is driving around everyone crazy <laughs> exactly that kind of thing give me mad Man. scientists who can't play instruments correctly that's what i want yeah to anyway so the recess bell rings and recess is over so he goes back to the classroom <laughs> and then oh, that's right we forgot the story's got to pick up again we just spent the half hour yeah. the nautilus is charged with ramming that boat full of dangerous explosives oh no so they ran the fuck out of that ship again, which blows up and rocks the be... sub Oh no! Within, like, also reading about the original book, this is supposed to be like, this is where Captain Nemo. Yeah, this crosses... is this is where I was like, is Captain Nemo right? Well, that's why is I went he... back to read because he does the same thing in the book, and then within the book, it's it's really painted as this is the threshold where the professor goes, "Oh my God, Captain Nemo is wrong. I have to get out of here." But like, just taking it at face value, yeah, but he. he... It's an illegal prison colony that's basically slave labor loading up stuff for explosives for that hate- Ooh, that hated nation! I, I mean, granted, we live in a culture where Batman has been lauded as this hero who he does exactly the same thing where he fucks up criminals. Like, it's, this is just vig vigilante justice against people who richly deserve that vigilante justice. So, yeah, I guess maybe that speaks to how much our, our sense, our, like, all, all cultural priorities have changed. Also, just in between the making of this movie, but also just, like, in the 150 years since the story was written, like, back then, I guess it was like, oh, it's the sanctity of life. Maybe Captain Nemo has gone too far. And now we're just watching this going, fuck yeah! Hit the delete yeah. button on all these fucking ships! Who gives a shit? That explosives was probably going to blow up some people that with different colored skin than white. Exactly. Especially since he's attacking the people who enslaved him specifically. So it's not even, like, an abstract, like, 
well, maybe these people are bad or oh, they might hurt other people. Can't hear like, you, he's bro. actually so. He is specifically. And also, it's weird, too, because in the original story, his wife and child died in slavery alongside, like, as a result of these people. So, Captain Evo even has more reason to want to take these oh, motherfuckers out. Where they get rid of the. They don't mention Nemo's dead family in the movie, so it's even more just, like, vague and kind of like, what. Like, how, yeah, exactly. How are we supposed to feel about this? Because Captain Nemo really is kind of in the right here. Also, Captain Nemo, get some fucking missiles or guns. Why are you just ramming every goddamn ship? No matter, no wonder your shit's always fucked up and you're losing crewmen every time you attack one of these ships. Because, Jesus Christ, gotta find a better way that's not just... Yeah. So Man. Nemo acts at, and, and says that they're dealers of death and he's the Avengers. They put him in prison. <laughs> but And when they failed to do whatever they were trying to do to him, they gone done, tortured his wife and young son to death. Oh, did they say Love that? Oh! I thought yeah. I, I, I wasn't even paying attention. Mm. Love is pretty cool, but man, hate can fill your heart just as much as love can. And the professor says, I am sorry for you. It is a bitter substitute. Boy, Nemo sure is a bad guy? Because he's trying to destroy the evil network that is still continuing to enslave people? And kill? Yeah, no, it's... And kill children? Torture children? Yeah, that? again, I don't know if it's a bug or, a, like, an actual flaw. Like, I don't... Yeah, it's 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 impossible to understand exactly where what the filmmakers are... Yeah, it's... Then, I mean, there's something to be oh, said also, for, like, they're being muddied... Uh, morality in a movie? But it seems like the movie doesn't really want to take a stand either. Like, it's just kind of like, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Also, when they blow up the boat... Uh, Kirk Douglas watches it sink and says, They were sailors, just like oh, me. Oh, yeah. And, and it's like, okay. Oh, oh, because we love you so much? Like, is that like... <laughs> oh, the professor yeah. really should just put his hands on his cheeks in a big Kevin McAllister home alone. Oh, no. Well, yeah. That would be terrible. Yeah. yeah. So, um... Let's see. Uh... So, in their quarters, Peter Lorre is picking up stuff off the floor and signs to Professor Dyer, and I gotta fucking read some cursive. Great. <laughs> and it says, We are headed for an island called Volcania, Captain Nemo's base. Other than being remote, he would tell me no more about it. Whew, glad we learned that information. Great, yeah. Good movie. And Again, it's a movie made in the 1950s, so yeah. The professor walks in, and Peter Lorre is like, Your shit fell down. I was just, I was just cleaning it up. And he's like, you know my journal's off limits. It's got all my my fondest wishes and deepest desires in it. It's got our initials plus mm -hmm. together in a big heart on all these pages. I don't want you to yeah. think too much about that of, of me me and my drawings Lord. of Captain Nemo kissing. <laughs> Peter Laurie's like, man, this shit's gone far enough. That, that, that uh, Captain Nemo is a murderer, and he seems to enjoy it. And the professor's like, oh, you think so? And Laurie says, I can only judge what I've observed. And the professor snaps at him and says, this is not your place to judge. You don't know anything about the captain. What the fuck, man? Did he make you a friendship bracelet or something? Weird Why are you defending him? That the characters just seem to be realizing that Captain Nemo is a murderer. Despite the uh -huh. fact that they're only on that ship because he already murdered their shipmates. After already admitting to, like, he's been murdering all these people in the South Seas. That's the thing. I could see, okay, maybe, like, I could see if he had just hacked, like, a, uh, like, a, like, just a random shipping vessel and not, like, a part of this m empire that he's fighting against. Like, it feels like, 
Yeah, if, if, if Nemo had been crossing the threshold between military targets and civilian targets or something like that, like, that would make more sense as to why suddenly all of our main characters are suddenly like, oh no, Captain Nemo might not be a good guy, but like, it's now they suddenly realize that like Captain Nemo's been killing people, which yeah, of course, he's been killing people the whole fucking movie, like, ah, it's just so weird. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't get it, but. But so, now suddenly uh, all of our characters suddenly decide to catch, well, at least yeah. Peter Laurie is all like, I gotta go talk to fucking proud of toast yeah. man about this shit chester the, lampwick the yeah the professor's like he he already says he's got a use for me and what's more important is the world has a use for him and i must make him understand that and when he does he will judge himself far more harshly than you ever can pierre Lloyd's like what is he your boyfriend or something it what's is, going on when, here even when confronted by this the professor moriarty is like yes you don't understand <laughs> that if he agrees with you He'll agree with you even harder than you agree with yourself. Mwah! It's like, mm -hmm. wow, this guy's really up Captain Nemo's butthole. Yeah. Yeah, holy Peter shit. Peter like, whatever you say, Captain. And the professor's like, what'd you call me, Captain? And he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did, bitch. Oh, snap. a resemblance. You can sew your own pants from now on, asshole. Later, nerd. And he flashes a peace sign and leaves. Also, there's the Leave. thing of, like, a bunch of white people judging what seems to be an in, like, a... It's, a person of color for striking back mm. against the white people who enslaved him. It's like yeah. a little like, yeah, come on, guys. Yeah. So you can go. He goes over and sees Mr. Lance, who's all topless with his pants hiked up as high as they can go. <laughs> yeah, his, look at Spumco as shit. Yeah. He's about to jerk it to Pearl Necklace, and he's aggro right away, and he's like, "What are you doing, Professor? Put you up to this?" But he tells him the professor has been won over by Nemo, and he knows Kirk Douglas been feeling food and treasure, and he's glad he did, because they might need it. And Kirk Douglas is like, we? Since when do I need you? And what, are you going to take out the whole boat by yourself? Also, yeah, what? You're going you gonna to suck the whole crew up into that hole in your chin? What are you going to do? I know you're a white man in the 1950s, Kirk Douglas, but you don't have a lot of options here. Yeah, you got to work with the other white guy that you know. Like, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. fucking Kirk Douglas. He's got a plan, but he can't figure out how this dang boat works. No charts, no instructions, no nothing. But Peter Lorre read the professor's journal and saw that they were heading for Volcania. So now Kirk Douglas has to go take a look at the charts that he just said don't exist. So they're gonna, I... they're gonna go sneak out there and do that. They literally just go find the chart, like, and well, especially because he's like, oh, that's the one piece of missing information I needed. And then suddenly, yeah, and it's just like, what? I, did the people who direct this movie actually read the script of the writing book? Because, like, yeah, yeah, then they go find the charts. Uh, yeah. So they got to go repair, because I guess they got damaged at some point. Well, I guess between Maybe. ramming the ship and... Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I was like, man, Captain Nemo, stop ramming ships and get some weapons. So every, it seems like every time he rams one of these ships, he ends up killing dudes and spends three years having to repair the ship. It's like, there's a better way to go about this, my dude. Yeah. Yeah. He needs all hands to go outside and then stand around as, as two of them fix the rudder or whatever. Yeah, okay, yeah. The second mate starts to gotta stay back and keep an eye on stuff. Great. It's the perfect time to take over a submarine. Isn't it? There's only the first mate on there. All you gotta do is close the doors and sail away. All you have to do is close the doors. That's the thing. It's just... Especially with the entire crew has a habit of just... It's predictable as hell. Captain Nemo finds an, any ship, rams them, blows up the ship, and ends up spending three days afterwards repairing the ship while everyone leaves the ship to go do stuff. So just, mm -hmm. yeah, all you have to do is close the door while they're gone, and that's like... That's, 
Oh, yeah, Nemo man. says, I need all hands. Yeah. First mate, you stay here. And so actually taking over this boat, especially after you've like now explored it and kind of see how it works, like wouldn't be that hard. You know? Just like, no. yeah. Especially with three guys. So, well, eventually they look through the charts while everybody's outside working on the ship. They go in the Nemo's cabin. Uh, Kirk Douglas looks around, sees a map on the wall, and they eventually figure out what Volcania is. Kirk Douglas is. does the weirdest, like, he's like, oh, all, like, this chart, all these circles radiate out from this one location. And he's like, I think I found Walkavania or whatever. And then fucking, yeah, Peter Dolores like, yeah, I just told you we're, like, we just knew all this. Why are we still doing this? <laughs> and then a seal comes in and shoves its face up Peter Dolores' butt. Mm-hmm. The best moment in the movie, and Peter Lord turns around and laughs and has to continue the scene. Yeah, it's it's fucking it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my so, god. So they hear Nemo outside, and they bolt out of there. Nemo comes in, has noticed that the the seal ate all the cigars, and he's like, "You silly seal." That's so, the name of Chester, Chester Lampquick's animals that he came up with. Male fox. Yes. What were the other animals? That he came up that Je Ch Chester Meyer stole or whatever. What's his face? Itchy and scratchy inventor guy stole. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to make fern. this in Kirk Douglas, because Kirk Douglas yeah. voiced Ch Chester Lambwick. Um, yeah. Liver and onions. Liver and onions. So <laughs> Kirk Douglas has to do some research in his room. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I totally oh, threw no, him for a He punches Peter Lorre no, in the face fine. for no reason. No, he sends Lori out to get some specimens, the kinds in bottles. <laughs> later, he has notes that say... Is, is that, Kirk uh, Douglas the, 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 the fucking... Not Ed Grimley. Who's the guy who's, who does the things in the wheel of the 1950s? Uh, not Ed Begley Jr. What uh, is happening? Who sent you... Who? The guy that does the things <laughs> in the wheels. Who's the, he was in the wheel and we laughed and then he sent you a voice message. What? Gary Busey? Gary Busey. Is Kirk Douglas the Gary Busey of the 1950s? Is that what we're learning here? Maybe. Just with, like, yeah. I, you seem to, your Kirk Douglas but seems to have the same more... first gusto as, as, as Gary Busey. Yeah. More chin and less teeth. Exactly, yeah. But I can see that. Yeah, anyway. Shut up. Okay. Anyway. Uh, oh, God. So, he has notes that say, uh, you know, the party captive aboard monster submarine boat based it, blah, 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 and get longitude and latitude and all that shit. And uh, he's going to put those notes in bottles and send them out. And Peter Laurie doesn't want him to dump this out the specimen because they're priceless. And they're priceless. <laughs> Plus messages in bottles uh, went out with Robinson Crusoe. Uh, he f you forget, it's the 19th century. And there's something else he forgot. And he gives Peter Laurie a bop on the chin for spying on him. Because he's just such a charming asshole. Yeah, I just, yeah. Peter Laurie's like, I thought we were friends. And Kirk Douglas says, yeah, we are friends. And then he lets him hit him on the chin. Be it, it being the biggest target on his whole body. But Laurie hits him in the guts. And now they're friends. I did like <laughs> that. That was funny. I did laugh at that. Kirk Douglas uh, drinks some of the... Some, uh, <laughs> gross alcohol out of the bottle that the specimens were floating around well, in. Well, he drinks the alcohol, How desperate and I think are you, there's man? a little bit of a joke because he drinks it, and then Peter Lorre is like, I think that was something else, and then, like, Kirk Douglas makes a face and sits down the scene ends. Yeah, he ate one of the, he drank one of the specimens, and then... Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, okay. Yeah, complete with cartoonish swallowing sound. It's the, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the most fucking I love Lucy moment in the whole movie, where it's like, okay, yeah, I get it, yeah. Yeah. 
Later, the Nautilus is cruising along, and Kirk Douglas pops out from above and tosses bottles out with notes just willy-nilly, and that's, nobody's paying attention to what this fool is doing no anywhere on the boat again. ever. Yeah, Captain Nemo, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Jesus. Then later still, an alarm goes off. It's because the Nautilus won't turn no more. They crash into a reef. But no worries, when the high tide comes, they'll sail out of there and be fine. I like how the They're whole not, rest of the movie happens the way it does, just because the Nautilus stops working for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're off the coast of New Guinea, and Nemo asks the professor, Hey, you won't go ashore? And he says, No, last time I went ashore, it was a prelude to murder most foul. And Kirk Douglas is like, That fool must be crazy, crazy throwing away a chance like that. So they go up, up, up above, and he's like, Coconuts, mangoes, and native girls hungry for attention. They are? Why would they be hungry for attention? You think, you think, you think, what? <laughs> also, every time somebody in the 1950s mentions the word natives, my butthole puckers a little well, bit welcome. each time. Yeah, we're already uh, starting. Peter Lorre asks if the natives would appreciate a shriveled Peter Lorre penis. <laughs> it's been <laughs> pickled. <laughs> he turns out he was fucking one of the chars that, that fucking Kirk Douglas drank from. Oh my god, yeah. So, Mr. Lands and Why Peter Why do they Lorre not have a... The profet if they, mm -hmm. Actually, I guess if this, if this movie had been written and directed by Ryan Johnson, there would have been an extended sperm sperm well milking scene in this movie, but... Uh, mm -hmm. I was just, what do we, you go ahead, I'm interrupting you. Peter Lorre's like, Hey, I won't go ashore in place that the professor gather specimens. There's no harm in asking. <laughs> no harm at all. So they go ask, and Kirk Douglas is like, I got a strong back, I can row. Also, and Captain Nemo's Nemo doesn't say anything about, like, Peter Lorre suddenly deciding, like, this is the first time in the whole movie he seemed to have given a shit about science, and now suddenly he's all like, yeah, I need to go, I need to go make drawings of Donkey Kong on that island, I guess, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So he's like, alright, you can go, but you assholes stay on the beach, and the natives on there are cannibals. Uh-oh. And they eat liars with the same enthusiasm they eat honest men. Please, Disney, no. So they oh, go to shore. yeah. And Kirk Douglas immediately wanders away from the shoreline like a real dingus. Since he thinks Nemo's just said the thing about cannibals to scare them. And Peter Lorre's like, good luck, and they split up. Good luck. Sorry, I, was, I meant to do that in the Star Fox voice. No, good I luck. actually, I don't know if it's because I just already assumed that, like, I can't even hear the words good luck without hearing good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kirk Douglas walks through the jungle, whistling his tunes, and he finds some stagnant this water, is and he's where... like, that looks like delicious stagnant water <laughs> swimming with diseases. I'm gonna drink some of that. But before he can, he notices some skulls on sticks. Uh, uh oh no. Uh, this is the part of the movie where they actually went somewhere to film this, because this is, like, it's, they're on a white, it, it is fucking hilarious to see fat little Peter Lorre with his heights, his pants hiked up all the way to his little Peter Lorre teats, like, on mm -hmm. this beautiful beach that looks even by 1950s photography standards, just looks gorgeous. And then it's just yeah. a little dumpy Peter Lorre in the middle of it. I want a movie poster that's just a little dumpy Peter Lorre in this beautiful, like, tropical location. But, yeah, it, it does yeah. look, I mean, it, it does add, like, production value to the movie. It really feels like an actual adventure. And then Peter Douglas decides to run into the set. Peter Douglas? Or Peter Douglas, my <laughs> Jerry Douglas? I don't know what the fuck, yeah. Drums start beating in the distance, and, uh -oh. and, and Mr. Land takes off running, and Lorre hears him, too, and starts to get back on the boat. He's like, fuck this noise. Mr. Lands waits, wait for me, wait for me, as he's getting chased with by the it's, natives. It's, and... I almost kind of wonder if this didn't inspire the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark a little bit, because it's totally him mm. being chased by the natives. Yeah. 
Yeah. Does he it? manages to get back on the, the little push boat, and the natives also have their boats to chase them into the water. They get back to the Nautilus and run inside. Nemo's pretty calm about the whole thing, and they're like, they're after us. And he's like, naturally, since you invaded their privacy, they'll invade ours. And I guess the, the director was like, don't worry about faking the language, uh, fellas. Just grunt a whole bunch. Yeah, th we wouldn't want to confuse the dumb, dumb, white 1950s audiences. Sorry, I'm actually watching it now. We're like, it is kind of tense as all these goofy mm. tribal guys are coming down the stairwell. And like, mm -hmm. of course, like Peter Laurie and, 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 and Kirk Douglas are all like, what the fuck's going to happen? Kirk Douglas has got a spear. He's going to throw it back at the guys. And then suddenly fucking uh, Captain Nemo. Nemo flips a switch. And he, I guess he not only electrocutes the doorway, but the entire skin of the ship. And yeah. start zapping all the, 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 the cannibals. And so they're like, yeah. oh, we gotta get out of here. Nemo says it's just a mild jolt of zippity zaps. Not deadly, but not very hospitable. Yeah. Speaking of hospitality, Mr. Lenz has abused it for the last time. And he keeps disobeying Nemo and just being a real jerk ass in general. So they're, they're, they're to take him in charge. Why not just throw him off the boat to the cannibals right now? Yeah, fucking let him. Yeah. Hmm. And Kirk Douglas has the audacity to ask, Now what's this all about? Really, my dude? Yeah, really? seriously, you're gonna start fucking get all hoity-toity at motherfuckers now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh-oh, a ship is in the distance. It's coming, and they're still stuck on the reef. So he tells the idiots to get below deck, because they'll the shelling's gonna start soon. They throw Kirk Douglas in a room and tell him, and uh, he says, Let me out of this glory hole. I, you and I have very different ideas of what a glory hole is, sir. <laughs> I yeah, I still see that pop up in non-sexual things, and I'm still like, I either either <laughs> either my understanding of what a glory hole is is fucked up, or has since been corrupted since the 1950s, or something's here. Go, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, they're being attacked. If there's one thing a sailor hates, it's a glory hole. Uh, yeah. So the, the worst okay, you know Nautilus from its side cannons, okay. even though it's it's right in front of them. Heading straight. How's it hit? At what? Well, some anyway. ships are are equipped with like forward and rear facing guns. Not many of them, but a yeah, couple. Yeah, but it's but... shooting from the side. But it, the, the Nautilus is in front of them. Uh, it's sailing towards them. Let's see. Glory hole dictionary. Oh, good times. Yeah. Okay. A glory hole is a sexual slang for a slot in a wall, which a man inserts his penis for sexual stimulation by someone on the other side. Okay. Yeah. So, when? What did this? I don't know. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, a glory hole is a furnace for softening glass when it becomes stiff and offhand working and fire polishing glass. What? Mm. Mm. I don't. Yeah. I don't okay. 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 So I guess once a long time it meant something about. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So um. The water comes rushing in because they get hit by the the cannons. People run around closing watertight doors as uh, Kurt Douglas, Peter Laurie, and the professor are all cut off in their respective parts of the ship. The engine gets busted. They aren't able to move, so they got to fix the shaft and scoot to the edge of your seat because that's where you're going to be for the next 10 minutes of hot repair action. <laughs> I do like because we saw uh, Captain Nemo showing the drive shaft of the engine to the professor mm -hmm. before so yeah, yeah at least you have some kind of context for what's happened because yeah. yeah giant steel beam has come down on top of the drive shaft so the ship can't travel anymore and so yeah you see from the outside that it's just sinking to the bottom of the sea and 
Yeah, they're all fucked Mr. up. Mr. Lance manages to get out of his glory hole into another part of the ship, and they fix the engine, and now they're deeper underwater than man has ever been before. A whole and, oh, no, 30 feet. They're attacked by a giant squid, which is like, a new friend, I'm gonna give it a hug. <laughs> which it does. But then they give it a zap, but in doing so, it busts their zapper gizmo. And it comes back for more hugs. And Nemo says, we'll have to fight it on the surface. I mean, why? What is this squishy squid going to do to your giant metal sub? All it's... Leave some suction marks on it? Yeah, it's unless you're worried about, like, I could see if they suggested, like, it was going to crush the, the ship like a tin can, but no. I, even though the ship doesn't yeah. seem to be weirdly fragile for mm -hmm. a ship that just goes around ramming other ships, but yeah, so they, yeah, so fucking Nemo's like, oh, we all have to get topside so we can get devoured in person by the, the squid. One sec, the dog has been going crazy. I don't know if Kelsey's home or what. No, I'm gonna go fine. check over real quick. Be right back. Uh, the other bit of trivia I heard about this movie was, I guess they had they had to film this whole sequence twice because I guess the original version of the battle against the squid, they just filmed it. You know, well, obviously just they just filmed it on a uh, a water tank somewhere. But I guess the original version of this was filmed at, like at, on calm seas at dusk. Which both, A, did not look very interesting, and B, totally showed off all, like, the, the wires and everything that actually makes the squid move, so. Yeah, which, it's funny, because yeah. even during the stormy part, where, like, obviously all the stormy weather effects are used to kind of, like, disguise some of, like, the, the clinkiness of the giant squid, it still looks kind of... What are you talking about? Talking I love about? that its tentacles are obviously just on fishing poles and stuff, but... It's okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, finally Kirk seeing Doug. the sequence after spending my whole life hearing about it. Mm -hmm. Not that interesting, but I appreciate their ambition. Yeah. yeah. So Kirk Douglas sees all the men's getting harpoons and axes and shit, and he's like, oh man, that's my whole purpose in life is to harpoon things. <laughs> this is my one job. That's my one thing I do. So uh, Captain Nemo tells his men it's best to avoid its tentacles. They'll grab onto no you, shit. and then this movie's gonna take a turn into a deviant art project, oh, and nobody's. No, it not is definitely Bride of the yeah, the fucking what's it called, the surf, the fisherman's wife. Yeah. So the only vital part on the uh, giant squid is directly between its eyes. Alrighty. So they get above the waves, and now everything's stormy crazy. They open the door, and a tentacle comes in and says hello. And they're, so they're like, well, this door's fucked. Let's try another. So uh, Kirk Douglas is trying to kick out a small window on a door so he can unlock it. They use the front hatch, work their way around to the back, where the surprisingly not all that terrible of a fake squid for the 1950s is just mm -hmm. hanging out and waving its arms around. So get ready for 20 minutes of hot battle action of people kind of just... Waving in the general vicinity of a tentacle on a string. It's weird, because I'm watching this now. There's still half a, half an hour left in this movie. So you'd yeah. think this would be the climax of the movie. No, this is just like another thing. Again, the episodic nature of the movie kind of makes it feel a little bit clunkier than it should, but, you know. Mr. Um, Lands manages to break out a window, get the door open out, and get out of there. And he gets to the back door where a man falls down. And he asks the man with the suction cups on his face very casually. <laughs> What's up? Did you what get happened? Did you get kissed by a monster? so calm about it so he gets up top with his tiny little itty bitty knife and he gets his hands on a harpoon throws it at the squid winning the day hurrah hurray then he dives in the water with his tiny little knife cut nemo's free from a tentacle and they swim back to the sub they all go inside and nemo's like man you saved my life why that's a good question 
Yeah, there's only one thing a fella can do when he makes a mistake as big as this. Get drunk! So a scene of Kurt Douglas hanging out with singing with the seal Esmeralda, feeding her fish as he drinks the grog. They laugh and hork together. It's always charming. Peter Laurie comes in and says, Not so loud, but he's happy Kirk is out of jail. The professor's happy too. It's the first time Captain Nemos has shown any kind of gratitude ever. And then Kirk Douglas gets mad and says, I don't want any of his gratitude, and smashes a bottle on the wall. Then he and the seal get under the covers and take a nap. There's some what mood an important swings. scene to exist. Yeah, I, they mostly just want to show up how well the train the seal is because pretty much yeah. like they they throw a blanket. Kirk Douglas throws a blanket on the ground. The seal rolls yeah. up in it. Then he kind of does the same thing in his own bunk. And that's the end of that mm. super mood swingy scene. <laughs> where yep. like yeah, uh, Kirk Douglas not bothering to pick up all the broken glass from the bottle he just smashed against the wall. But, yeah. No. So later, the professor goes and sees Nemo's, and he's, because he's taking his journal, and he wants to know why he took his journal. And Nemo says, I keep no journal and wanted to know the professor's take on the giant squid fight. He just didn't expect there to be so many entries about how dreamy the captain's eyes are and how, quote-unquote, he can really fill out, out a pair of sailor pants and, <laughs> quote-unquote, he can plumb my depths any day. Surprising number of Titanic nudes of Captain Nemo sketched in this, in this journal, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Mr. Lance regrets saving Nemo's life as much as Nemo regrets saving th his. Only difference is Nemo never would have tried. The professor says that would give Mr. Lance human dignity and Nemo that Nemo no longer possesses. Okay. Then he, he tells Nemo <laughs> that he knows he's too ashamed would... to be cool about Ned's gesture, because if he does, that would mean finding something good in humanity, and man, that would make you look like such a dweeb, and you'd hate to look like a dweeb. Yeah, so this whole scene is pretty much this the professor negging uh, Remo for being upset about things. Mm -hmm. Nemo should be like, motherfucker, you're upset because I'm just not going to let this roll out the, off my skin because you you're a white guy who's never had to worry about anything. But like, yeah, fuck you. You should be like, Thanks. what, are you going to shame me for being upset about like my <laughs> life getting fucked up by these assholes? I built the sh- uh, yeah, anyway. We've already gone over they this. They say but... words about goodness and shit. This is the big philosophical closest thing to a debate Nemo that happens in this film, yeah. is looking for perfection, and he will never find it, but he's already- But he has already in this world, under the sea. Damn, it's so fucking cool. What with the fishes and the squid? <laughs> Maybe not so much the squids, but the fishes. We occasionally and stop only... by the Krusty Burger on an oil derrick for snacks, but the, the, the sea is super cool. You never have to go back to land. Yeah. And the, uh, so Nemo, let's see, uh, where'd I go? It's where'd weird I go? how the where'd movie tries to paint Captain Nemo as being kind of almost like this Captain Ahab obsessive. But no, yeah. again, yeah, so it's, he's he, so sympathetic. He says, he says that the world was good, he'd share his knowledge, but hot technology, he's, he can't share it. It's too hot. The world isn't good enough. And the professor's like, if it was good at okay so so nemo <laughs> says if the world is good enough yeah. you share it. and the professor says you mean that you want to you want to share your stuff and nemo says yeah i want to use you as an emissary but i don't know anymore and he asked the professor if he really believes people would lay down their arms and abolish their slave camps and the professor says yeah i think i could persuade them let me try damn for being so smart professor you sure are a dumbass that's the thing and like this is supposed to be the big philosophical debate the professor does nothing to blow any holes in Captain Neo's, Nemo's thing, other than just pointing out how obsessive, as obsessive he's become. But then, yeah, but then the professor.
Master just looks, comes across as a naive fucking... If anything, I know this is supposed... Like, the whole point of the scene is supposed to make it look like, oh, Captain Nemo is obsessive, and he's crazy. But it just makes the fucking professor look naive as shit. And again, yeah. it's hard to tell if that's a bug or a feature. You know, if I if I presented them with this technology, I'm pretty sure people would stop fighting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Professor Moore already says, you have to excuse me, the Bioshock people are coming over to check things out. Uh, <laughs> and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they're nearing Volcania, and Nemo wants uh, the professor to see their technology. The te technology that could uh, lift mankind from the depths of hell into heaven or destroy it. But suddenly the ship stops and the first mate comes in to say they've reached the island, but there's a bunch of warships there. They got no flags, which makes it easy to say, wasn't us who was being naughty. Mm. And Nemo was like, see, I told you, nerd. And then he goes, looks out. <laughs> nerd. Army men are climbing the mountain and they're obviously wearing like British men, World War One gear, I think. Well, it cuts the stock obviously footage too. So God knows that's probably some, yeah. some kind of African adventure movie with like yeah. British soldiers as the heroes or something like that. Yeah. And they don't want them to find their stuff, so they gotta get there first and destroy everything. So they dive underwater, go through some caves, come out in the lagoon. Nemo and some dudes go ashore while the professor tells uh, Peter Laurie and Kirk Douglas the island is surrounded by warships. And they go up and look out and see a bunch of dudes coming over the top of the lagoon, and they start shooting right away like a real bunch of assholes, just at everyone and everything. So Mr. Land takes off his shirt and says, One last bit of niceness for the ladies. And he says, I'm going to let them know we're here. And he yells, don't shoot, we're friends. And I'm one of the ones that threw the bottles. But they don't what listen. They just keep shooting at them. So what are you doing, Does Lance? he know that all he's done is expose Captain Nemo to the people who enslaved him to begin with? And no. so... Because for some fucking reason, the professor has never been like, hey, Nemo's in the slave camps. He's destroying the slave camp boats. He just lets these guys believe that Nemo's been blowing up random sailor ships, ships and shit. Yeah, it's really, it's genuinely confusing. I don't know what the hell's going on here, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they keep shooting at him and he's like, man, what the heck? And the professor's like, you led them here? And him and Lori are like, yeah, we did. We thought we did what we were thought were right. And he's like, oh, you fools. This is going to cost the world the greatest discoveries of all time. Nemo has gone to shore to destroy everything. I Mr. love Lance that, says, like... That sounds like he's gonna plant a bomb or something. Who you think? Again, I could totally see Land and Lori, like, I could see them maybe feeling fucked up if they thought they were just gonna, like, get, like, like maybe the American Navy mm -hmm. attention to come pick them up from Captain Nemo, but, like, yeah, I don't think it... It, it seems like it never occurred to them that, like, throwing these messages in a bottle might get picked up by this... Evil, evil unnamed nation that's that Captain Nemo is at war at and would just like it, Ned Land is entirely responsible for the end of this movie of like luring at, like this evil nation to uh Captain are they Nemo's an evil nation hideout. or are just, they the good guys that happen to be against Nemo because Nemo's the bad guy yeah it's mark? and like and like again the movie has not done a good enough job to make a case for Captain Nemo being the bad guy are, are we supposed to be rooting for the soldiers that are shooting at him I right guess here? so and like it's totally muddled even though by all rights the Captain Nemo is the good guy who's just been totally undone by Ned Land being a fucking 
just fucking powdered toast man idiot. Yeah, it's it's yeah. So yeah, he goes back into his home base. That's a time bomb. Yeah. yeah, Nemo and his men get back on the submarine, and they all run underneath. Nemo's the last man. Yeah, on. somehow Nemo he gets, managed. He gets shot right in the butthole. He managed to run through this entire like Universal Studios backlot adventure tour uh, <laughs> thing while dodging bullets left and right. And it's only when he's about to close the hatch to the Nautilus that he gets. I get. It looks like he gets plugged. Yeah, right. He, they give him a new butthole, and then he's like, "Oh, that's uncomfortable." And then he still goes downstairs. Yeah. So, um, I just he goes to the helm and tells him to start giving the diving orders, which they do, and he starts steering the ship, just crashing into rocks and shit. They probably shouldn't be steering, Nemo. They've given me a new butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the music's all dramatic and sweeping, and oh no, he's dying, question mark, oh no? Well, he kind of leans against the steering wheel, and he's kind of making orgasm faces, and he, like, you mm -hmm. know he's dying, but it's just so, yeah. like, yeah. He, I has, just he has them strap the wheel as they slowly go down deeper and deeper, and he stumbles and bumbles down the stairs to his quarters, where all of his men are there waiting, looking like a bunch of dorks. Nemo says, I'm dying, and I'm taking all these dorks with me. Because he's an asshole. Yeah. And the first mate's weird. like, we're with you, Nemo. Yeah. So Nemo tells the professor pretty soon that island is going to go kerblamzos, the, the likes of which the world has never known, and the Nautilus is going to sink and gonna be, be gone forever, too. So that's cool. So he tells I... the man to go to their quarters and lock up Lori, uh, Mr. Lands, and the professor, because like some sort of asshole... But, 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 hey, like some sort of asshole, they don't want to die on the submarine slowly slinking into the ocean. They, they'd like to live. And then the professor tells Nemo, you can't do this. He just wants the world to be super cool, but Nemo says, a power greater than mine makes that impossible. Sure, asshole, whatever. Now he suddenly gets biased, yeah. Then he says, but there's hope for the future. When the world is ready for a new and better life, all this will someday come to pass in God's good time. So whatever the fuck that means... It's just, gets yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he says gets, I should not have tampered on God's domain. Yeah. Yeah. The professor gets locked in his room, but Mr. Land says not to give up because they aren't set apart as some sort of suicide pack. So the first mate just slaps him in the face, and puts him in the cabin. But he just beats up that guy who was putting him there, punches the first mate, and goes takes the control of the ship and turns it so it's going up instead of down and then him and the first mate have a scuffle and what might be one of the most lopsided fights in cinematic history <laughs> yeah we're supposed to believe this old balding man uh is somehow able to go toe to toe for multiple minutes with uh a 1950s in shape man also the man that the entire story keeps on bending over backwards to like makes make look super cool and shit like that yeah yeah, yeah. mm-hmm so, uh, eventually, he manages to be at the first mate. He unlocks the professor and, and Peter Laurie and tells them he's taking over the ship and they're getting out of there. They're on the surface now, and they head outside to get on the kiff, but the professor wants to go back and get his precious, precious journal, but Mr. Lance rightly punches him in the face and slings him over his shoulder, and he turns into a double, and, uh, they carries him to the <laughs> skiff, and they go, and underneath something, something. Nemo walks to a window, falls over, it's all very dramatic. And uh, the seal gets off the boat, thankfully. I love that they important. go, they, they make a pointed effort. That's like the most, like, the biggest moment of the climax is mm -hmm. the, the seal coming out. It's like, yay, they saved the seal. Yeah. Nemo reaches up, opens a window so he can die looking at the sea. Very dramatic. 
they row away from the Nautilus, and the island goes kabloom. It explodes everywhere, and there's just huge explosion. It's weird it because... It doesn't affect them at all. They're calmly watching it. It seems like the Nautilus explodes while not taking out anyone else. It seems no, really... No, the Nautilus doesn't explode. Doesn't... Oh, it's explodes. just the island. Oh, that's right, because I'm watching it now, and okay, yeah. It's really yeah. weird that, like... I thought what was going to happen was that not like uh, Nemo was going to, like put the Nautilus's engine into overdrive so he can take out not just the island, but all the bad guys, all the warships surrounding the island, essentially. Which this, uh, magically disappeared in the explosion. Which do mad. Well, there's one or two warships off to the side that don't get consumed, but, like, mm. I thought there would be more. Instead of him just randomly just drowning himself and his entire crew for no reason, it's just, yeah, it's... The ending is just real milk toast and just, like, okay, that just happened, I guess. They just, like... I thought there'd be more of a big sacrifice where at least he gets to take out the people who wronged him. But no, he doesn't even get that. He just kind of drowns, and that's the end of the story. And, and then there's a yeah. voiceover where his voice comes back and says, well, I sh yeah. The Ned apologizes for, 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 for punching the professor in the face, but there wasn't time for souvenirs. And the professor says, perhaps he did mankind a service for leaving that journal behind. Don't you have your still have your brain pan in your memory? You wrote that what stuff you? down. Are you like you're gonna yeah. forget? Do you have the, the the memory of a fucking chickadee? Like you got a Bill Mudrin type memory? What's <laughs> going goldfish, on? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So then a model of the Nautilus sinks. Nemo's voice rings out once again. There is still hope for the future, and when the world is ready for a new, better life, all this will someday come to pass. In God's good. Time. The music, music the squirrels. Well, the characters turn around and it turns out James Mason is actually just floating in the water next to the boat, and it's not a voiceover. He's just sitting there, just commenting on the scene, and that's the end of the movie. A Walt Disney production. Dun, dun, dun. But yeah, actually, overall, I actually enjoyed this movie. I actually legitimately had a good time watching this, but yeah, it's... And trying to figure out, like, how you're supposed to feel about what's going on in the movie is completely confounding, and the yeah. movie can't get it out of its own 1950s white dude way of just, like, yeah... Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's, yeah, better than I was expecting it to be. Uh, for uh, for the movie that I thought was gonna force us into deciding that we're gonna skip all for all future <laughs> live action movies, I don't think yeah. it quite did that. No. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to actually. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course I can't. Uh, Disney through the decades. I was curious to see what our next live action feature might be. Uh, uh I think it's David Crockett. Which that could be the thing that makes us start. Well, David, it's a it's a compilation of the show, so it's we'll probably yeah. do one and say no thanks. See what's happened, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll decide what's because I don't know by the time this episode airs if we've already aired the last. No, we've already the, the last episode of shorts have, has has already gone yes, live. Already so gone, yeah. yeah, from now on, it's going to be nothing but features. Um, so, yeah, okay. And I believe this will be coming out after April, so we're like a month away from this ever coming out. Oh, I forgot about that, because we've got a little bit of a buffer, so awful. Yeah, so, the, yeah, you might be hearing this like a month and a half after we record this. Yeah, as we're recording this now, it's, what, the summer solstice just happened? And blah, March blah, blah. And also, I'm still talking about doing opening report from Disneyland and Man from Space, so, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Maybe we'll do that, so we'll have to do that stuff. But... Yeah, so that's... Yeah, and I hate to say it again. I was afraid it was going to be in black and white, but the fact that it was in color actually helped quite a bit. Mm. And they actually mm. put some production value into this movie, but... Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, Kirk Douglas, yeah, you fucking fine. weirdo. Uh, 
Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see. It. I. I looked up some stuff on it. Nothing interesting. It's all fine. I whatever. looked up again because it was a Disney project. I went to go IMDb and looked at the trivia. Read the first two things and just realized because it's a mo- Disney movie, there's just so much trivia that's just the Disney yeah. nerds just. So much of it's just repetitive or half right and mm-hmm. half wrong and just. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's hard to. A lot of the high signal, the crazy signal to noise ratio, in the IMDb trivia section for any Disney project. So, anyway, so what are we doing next? Anyway, then, well, I don't know. It's your pick. Oh shit, that's my shit. And and it's like a month away, so there's no way in hell you know. No, don't we have? Actually, no, because no, this is gonna be after April. No, this episode may go live after April. Oh shit! This Cause, could because but this, okay. So, uh, and this coming up is uh, we're gonna put out Peter Pan on the twenty fourth. Then the thirty first is whatever your next project. That's is. what and I'm saying. So whatever I announce now. So this is actually so whatever I announce now, people have listened a month ago, too. So. Oh yeah, for the next yeah yeah because like what sure, we're if you want to if you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we have to unless you want to put out this disney at this disney plus thing this week as opposed to peter pan um but yeah i guess we you've already heard us talk about uh a month ago but we're gonna talk about a knight's tale oh yeah because paul bettany i'm worried because doesn't doesn't the your uh housemate who loves victor victoria also say that they love it yeah Okay. But we'll yeah, they're chopping at the bit. Yeah, the, the, to tell me about it. Oh my god. Yeah, we don't. Our when it comes to entertainment, what we like and what's good or not, we don't see it. <laughs> at least I, I, I got a month. At least I got a month to watch it. Oh no, I don't. It's <laughs> no, because we're Damn it. recording. Yeah, <laughs> we got that. That we're recording that next week. Yeah. Okay. It, it's this episode that's gonna sit in a drawer for a month. But yeah. Oh god. So yeah, hopefully we liked. It's a Knight's Tale, but yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, it is two hours and ten minutes long, which again I thought was really long, but which is a long time for like a, a that's period what I'm like piece for for something in the yeah early two thousands or whatever. I was. watched the first twenty minutes of it last night; it didn't seem that bad. Can't be worse than Excalibur, I guess. Yeah, true. Exactly. We have watched unless night unless something really goes wrong with the Knight's Tale. We have watched worse shit than it. We've watched Victor Victoria. It can't be worse than Victor Victoria. Holy yeah. shit. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. Right. Now we just have to well, decide what's what we're doing for Awful April. That's the bigger deal. But yeah, again, everyone will have already heard it by the time they're listening to this episode. So he's muttering on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Par- Tardy Podcast on Twitter. Tardy Podcast. Shares around. Like all that stuff. Whatever. It's almost all free for People love Schadenfreude, so they're going to enjoy us watching bad movies or whatever. Hopefully, yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> we're just going to watch Tomorrowland four times in a row. I got nothing else. We're going to go down under the sea and look at the fishes swimming by. I almost went into a uh, friggin' um, James Mason as Ariel? As what? I almost, I almost uh, slipped into more of a uh, Warner Herzog there. <laughs> I can see that. Well, the kind of the clipped addiction. Yes. Hello. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. The baby Yoda. The baby Yoda is very cute. You must protect him at all costs. Actually, I wouldn't mind to seeing a movie with James Mason and, and Warner Herzog just cruising the countryside. Yeah, it's too bad. One's dead. Yeah. All right, well, we've been at this for two hours, so we're going to get the heck out of here. So okay. until next time, it's going to be wholesome pop culture. So long, everybody. Take care.